like right before leaving, touching the door, the, the door handle, looks back at me and goes, don't you ever come back to a job like this? I heard you talking to some people, seeking advice, seeking for a career, but don't you ever come back to this career? I want to advise you. And I was like, in wow. a In an encouraging way? Like you're, you're meant for more than this kind of thing? No. Davey, thank you for being on. Welcome back to another episode of Moving the Mountain, a creative leadership podcast for entrepreneurs. Um, here with a good friend of mine, Davey De Silva. Uh, we've known each other for quite quite some time now. Um, I'll probably say since the 2012 days. Has it been that long? Yeah. Really? Remember 2012? Everyone thought the world was going to end. Since the 20, since those days, really? I probably we've I known know. each other, and then as the years got gone by, we've gotten closer. And our circles have gotten closer and closer. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's probably the last two years that become closer. You started coming to uh legacy church that I attend. Um, yeah. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about what you do. Um, some of the things that you do and um, I kind of wanted to like highlight some of the, the growth that I've seen and you, maybe you could kind of like talk about that, like what kind of like inspired that. Um, so I know you went to a leadership school, um, and then you lead some ministries at your church, but outside of that, uh, last year, probably around this time, maybe a little bit before COVID, you had entered a new job, new position in a sales role. And it seems (coughs) like, and you had a mentor, another good friend of ours, mutual friend of ours, Tunde. Hola, Tunde Unding, bo. Great guy. Was waiting for the moment to say his name. Hoping to have him on the podcast maybe one day soon. Tunde, if you're out there, scheduled your time to uh, to be on this, and we'll we'll shout out Tunde Sells Realty. Um, Shout outs to them. Shout outs to Tunde. That man is a a great mentor, uh, great friend, better friend, and uh, we hope to have him here soon. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I know he he was kind of helping you through that transition as Mm -hmm. someone who had been in sales, um, and probably over like the past year, it kind of seemed like you really you know, learned a lot. Um, and you, you kind of hustled, you know, I, I know they sent you off to like HubSpot training. Yeah, they did. You, you took that over. You really kind of capitalized on that. And now you're kind of leading your department over at, uh, your software, uh, company mm-hmm. and you've pretty much kind of doubled, um, in salary from like where you were in just a very short amount of time. Um, so why don't yeah. we, s- why don't we start there? Like, what do you feel like, what did you have to put into that? And like, what was the, what was the changeover from, you know, maybe going from, you know, a starter job and you're in your, we should clarify, you're in your early twenties. How old are you? 25? 26. 26. That was pretty good though. That was a really good guess. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good guess. Yeah. It's been a lot of growth, honestly. Uh, the journey <coughs> has been long, not easy. Um, I wouldn't say I like lead the whole thing, but I definitely like help my boss in like Mm co-leading the whole department. Um, But what's crazy is just when I look at it, obviously the the financial numbers, if we're talking before (laughs) I got the job, my my salary has probably like tripled Wow, or or over that. And just probably a year, right? Or just over a year? Yeah, just over a year, like a year and a half. and before that, I would say, like, you know, I, I always felt myself as, like, a pillar and a leader in the church. Um, <clears throat> and I never felt that way outside of church mm. in any way, shape, or form. 
So I think it was like uh, either 2018, no, 2019, uh, pray, during prayer and fasting, I started writing down my prayers. I asked God, I'm like, you know, like, why was I a pillar in, or why am I a pillar in the church? Like, not in any prideful way, just like, I'm serving in the church. I want to be here. I want to be a pillar. I want to be a mentor. I want to bring something to the table. But why? what gave me that confidence before? Uh, because before I didn't have that. <clears throat> and I realized, oh, it's because I had mentors in the church. Other men uh, and women who were pillars in the church uh, were surrounding me and teaching me and sitting down with me to help me you know, grow in that area and show me what it's like to be done. And I was like, man, and God, you've given this to me for the past, like, you know, almost almost a decade. But I'm like, but I need this also outside the church. I need mentors that will show me how to grow in terms of a career, in terms of how to be a pillar at a job. And before that, I, I probably lost, like, consecutively, uh, I would say five jobs in a row. And, like, nice. obviously, you know, I'm a no excuse guy, but here are some excuses. <laughs> uh, but honestly, though, for some of them, like it, it, it felt like God didn't want me to be there type mm-hmm. of thing. And I know that sounds corny, but like I'll never forget for the last job, like someone looking at me, like my boss looking at me and going like she walked me to my my locker. Uh, I grabbed my stuff and she like right before leaving, it was like a scene from a movie. Like right before leaving, touching the door, the the door handle looks back at me and goes, don't you ever come back to a job like this? I heard you talking to some people seeking advice, seeking for a career, but don't you ever come back to this career? I want to advise you. And I was like, in a, in an encouraging way, like you're, you're meant for more than this kind of thing. No, no, like it was pretty rough. Uh, and she was a cool lady, like a jazz type of, you know, her hair was cut short. You know what I mean? Like wore wore turtlenecks the whole time. Like she was a cool lady, but I'm not going to lie in that moment. I was like, dang, you, (laughs) I mean, you fired the heck out of me right now, but that was pretty cool. (laughs) 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 Like, you know, let's forget all these semantic type of things. But wow, you touching that door handle, looking back at me on the side. Telling me you should never come back in here. It was literally like a scene from a movie, and I'll never forget that moment. Um, did she like? Did you do something? Did she dislike you that much? Um, she didn't even want you not there, but in that. No, she did. She. It's not like she hated me. Like I wouldn't say that she hated me, but like she she definitely heard me talking to people that were veterans in that job mm-hmm. because it you know you had a potential to make a career at that job, and. Uh, there was this guy that moved from New York there, and he was really cool. We both liked, like, sneakers and rap and everything, and, and you know, that's how our conversation started. And then it started to talk about, like, oh, man, you should get a career in here. Like, you know, I'm paying for this. I'm paying for that. I got a family. I'm just starting to grow my family, too, me and my wife. And, and she would overhear that, and then when they finally let me go, she just, like, I guess that came to her mind. And she told me, like, yeah, man, don't you dare – even try this out. Don't don't chase this for a career. That's interesting. Yeah. Why do you think she said that? I think it's because I was trash. <laughs> uh, honestly, like that job, I remember in the middle of it, like I tried so hard. 
I tried so hard, but it was just like it wasn't the job for me. Mm. And like even though in like a face to face value, yo, you're being mad rude and like I'm just trying here. But then at the end, like I see that was God telling me like, no, nah, this is a no no. And to give context to that, like I'm in a relationship, I realize the person I'm in a relationship with, I wanna get married, I wanna get a ring. And this is when I first started thinking this stuff. Mm. And then this blow happens. Yeah. And so that was a that was a pretty low moment. And uh and then from there it was like, you know, I got another job at a school which I really loved. Like I loved working with those kids. Shout outs to the learning community. Loved them. Um and but I knew it wasn't a job that was gonna like pay for my bills, let alone pay for this ring I was saving up for. <laughs> uh um hmm. so while I was while I was there, there was an opportunity for a, for a career, a job that I think was going to pay me around like 30K or something like that, maybe 35. I think it was 30K. And the reason why I'm saying these numbers, because, again, just out of context. And then my other job, I, I think Tunde posted on a story, hey, my job's hiring for, for a business development uh, role. Never developed any business before in my whole life. Uh, but I have developed like people around me, you know, mm-hmm. I have led teams and, I, and that was it. So I was like, and my wife actually uh, sent me, sent it to me, said, Hey, hit up Tunde, gave me his number and everything. And you know, what's crazy is that my wife thought about sending it to someone else. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that wild? So I was like, wow, you're going to shoot both of us in the foot there. But, but she ended up uh, obviously sent it to me and everything hit up. Tunde, never really talked to Tunde, and I mean, we just clicked, and it was like, you know, Tunde was giving me advice, but I was used to, like, how my mentors would give me advice. Like, they would just give me advice, but they wouldn't hold my hand, yeah, type of thing, and that's what Tunde was doing. Hey, man, you got to do this on your resume. I would do that on my resume, and then I would email it to him, and I'll try to do it, if not the day of, the week of, you know what I mean? And again, this is coming from a kid throughout high school who was procrastinating, who was lazy, you know what I mean? But it was like a switch turned on because I was like, I got to get married or I want to get married, you know what I mean? And I, and I just kept praying. Like, I remember one of the prayers I would pray was, um, God, I know you're a provider, but can you partner with me in, in providing for Jenny? Hmm. I don't know if that was okay to say my wife's name out there. Jeez. But shout outs to my wife Jenny, my baby cakes. Yeah, my baby cakes. Every time. Sounds really smooth saying it too in these headphones. My baby cakes. Hey. Um so and again, I'm working at the school and I love working with kids. And I'm I'm in youth ministry to this day. But I was like, man, I love working with these kids. And and the kids at the school and I had a great bond. And uh, you know. And this opportunity comes, and I'm looking at this opportunity where I have no experience in, where I have no love for, and it's $10,000 more to start off. Mm. But I'm like, God, man, I'll sacrifice again to work with kids. And and now just that, but I'm like, I just don't know this field. I don't know anything about sales. I don't know anything about – Tunde was like, this is a SaaS role. I said, SaaS? I thought he almost said the A word. I was like, hey, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you know, it, it, and I, it's just an acronym that means software as a service, and that's what I was selling. Yeah. I had no idea what any of these acronyms were or anything like that. 
And I remember Tunday being like, like, it's going to be a lot of work. You ever see those movies where, like, coaches and they first get their team? And, like, I, like, remember the Titans and the coaches, like, look at each other like, we got a lot of work to do. You yeah. know what I mean? It was kind of like that. And uh, he he mentored me through getting all these interviews and everything. And meanwhile, at the same time, like, I felt – I always tell people this, like, you go somewhere and you want to figure out that it's the right place for you, you're going to have to realize and start sensing the grace of God over it. If the grace of God is over a new place that you're stepping into or going to, you're going to feel it because everything starts falling into place that doesn't make sense that's falling into place. Hmm. And if you feel like, hey, I don't know if I should be here, you start seeing like God's grace get removed from there. And Hmm. you're like, everything feels tough. Everything's not working out. Why is it like this? Even though I'm trying my best, you know? And it was happening at the school. Not that my job was in jeopardy at the school. It was like when it came to me in this position, it went from Davey, it's like no question you're the guy to get this position, to I don't know, man. I don't know if this position is even going to be available. I don't even know if, like, you know, the interview's even going to happen. And then when it came to the job I had no experience in, it was like, even though there was already 20 candidates, even though the person on the day that I interviewed the person before me was a Harvard graduate, even though it came down to me and another person that had 10 years of experience over me, it was like everyone up to the VP and the CEO liked me. Hmm. And it was like I never experienced grace like that. And and it was crazy at the school. Like I got frustrated. I quit the job, and I have this engagement ring in my hands, and I quit a job because I'm like, God, I just trust you, man. Like, And I would never advise someone if you're going to ask your – the love of your life uh, to marry you, like not to like quit your job, like the the two weeks before you ask her. But uh, that's what I did. And I'm, and I remember like some of my leaders, like, you know, you got to take a step of faith. And that was the step of faith I took. I'm like, Hey, as much as I love working with these kids, I know this job won't pay for the bills. I know I, I won't be able to provide for the love of my life, you know? And, uh, I asked my wife to marry me when I had no job and she knew that I had no job. And she was like, you know, she said yes, obviously. And uh, that I think I asked her on a Sunday and that very next Friday I got the job that I have now. Hmm. And it literally just worked like that. And it was fast tracked. I mean, normally what, three, four interview type of positions take a couple months to get. This all happened in the span of a week or two, two weeks. It was nuts. I was like, Wait, I got another interview tomorrow? I got another interview in two days? Uh, and, uh, I mean, I've never talked, again, I never talked to Tony that much. All of a sudden, I was on the phone with him about, you know, an hour or two every day. And he almost couldn't believe it, too. I mean, he was getting like a $2,000 bonus if I right, got right, right, right. I, that. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time, you know what I'm saying, until <laughs> I got the job. But, uh, yeah, he was he, he couldn't believe it and was really excited, you know. And he really coached me through that, and I'm very thankful for him for that, for spending the time that he didn't have to. I mean, 2000 is, you know, $2,000, but this man, you know, spent a lot of time. That yeah. was more than $2,000 with me for sure. Well, I think he, like, saw a lot of potential, too, in, like, you. And you know, you're young, you're getting married. So I think he, you know, probably sensed that and wanted to, like, set you in the right direction. Because I remember mm-hmm. him talking to me about it a little bit, right, and being frustrated at times. Like, you know, he's got to you know, kind of like working through th- those things. Yeah, yeah. And, um, 
he's got to want it was the thing that yeah. he would always say to me. You got to yeah. want it, man. And I used to just pierce my heart. <laughs> that's such a thing. I mean, and and I remember he he was so uh, like invested, like, mm-hmm. and he that's just how he gets. Where he just he'll take it personally, you know. Mm-hmm. He probably lost sleep over it. He, you know, he probably had some you know days where he's like, yeah, you know, he's upset and he's like talking to me about it. Sure. But like, and I don't think it was the 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 two K. I'm sure that I'm sure that helped. But like, you know, it is frustrating, and I, I see that with like you know seeing potential. Right. Mm. And like wanting people to like kill it. It's like, yeah, there's so much more. He'd be doing so much more. And there's like that balance of like wanting to push, you mm-hmm. know, but yeah. like that other person like has to want it uh, too. I think sometimes there's like a disconnect and especially like when you're younger, you're coming into something, especially in like smaller organizations where mm-hmm. you don't see like the opportunity where you're just like, yeah, it's just a job or it's just a dead end job or like, I'm not going to get recognized or if I come in early, if I grind, if I like have a good attitude, yep. um, you know, it's not going to matter. Like I'm still going to be making like 11, 15 an hour or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, and it kind of depends on like, you know, how big an organization is, but like, there's probably always someone that's going to be over you that is, you know, seeing you. Um, and I think if you like, that's the thing. Like if you like the job you're at, I think you got to like, like it too. Yeah. Um, sure. cause if you don't like it, you're probably not going to want to do all those things. He's like, do you really want to grow into something that you like mm-hmm. don't like, or you're not passionate yeah. about, yeah. you know, it's like growing in the wrong field or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think you really gotta like it. But, and if you do, then it's just like, maybe those things come naturally where it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I want to impress my boss. I want to have a good attitude. I want to like be noticed. I want to work my way up. Um, and everybody has different reasons. Like, you know, marriage is probably like one for you. It's just like, Hey, I'm getting married. New, new realm of life here. I'm like responsible for another human totally being. Totally new realm of life. I got totally. bills. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. I got that too. Like you want to be a provider. Like you want to make sure like your wife is protected and like, you know, be setting yourself up. So it's like now your actions like in for better or worse, like affect another person. Yeah. Um, so all those things probably like weigh into like how you approach things. Um, but sometimes you don't even see that. Like when you're like, you're like we all have blind spots. So it's like, you know, maybe you don't even see that like in the mm-hmm. moment, you know, and having a mentor, um, or even like good friends, you know, I True. feel like Tunde yeah. is like one of those, like, you know, kind of come along and like, you know, kind of give you guidance. And I feel like it's like painful sometimes where it's just like, <laughs> Tunde. yeah, oh, yeah Tunde is very painful sometimes, man. <laughs> things, you'd be a little be rough. Saying, things you'd be saying to me. I'm like, wow, man. But again, right? Like that 2000 is long gone, long spent. Yeah. He's still out here. And the better investment too, I think is like seeing the fruit of your investment in someone's life. You know, it's just like, and the trajectory, like he set you on or helped Mm -hmm. set you on. Like ultimately you had to do the work. He could only guide you. So I think, and I, you know, I feel like that's way more rewarding, you know, where it's just like, you know, you found someone at point A and you brought him to point B or C, and it's just like, yeah. you know. Um, man, Tunde brought me all the way from, I don't even know, <laughs> A to Z, man. It was crazy. It was crazy. I will say, though, like, you know, he doesn't work with me anymore. He has an, another, uh, you know, bigger and better things for him always. But um, what was crazy is that, like, when he we, we were in the office, we would sit right across from each other just like this. Mm. And uh, when I would get wins – it was like when no one was looking, no one was in the office, he'll get it for, off from his desk and, like, just put his hand on my shoulder and be like, 
there you go, man. That's you wanting it. And, and like, I mean, now that he's not, uh, the last time I got a raise, uh, when I told him, my man almost cried. Hmm. And he was, and he literally told me, like, you literally exceeded every expectation I had. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, I mean, my, my expectations for myself were, uh, you know, exceeded as well. And, honestly, I didn't love um, – the the job at first you know that kind of grew on me you know yeah. sales and everything and and uh when it goes back to like potential like i think everyone has potential right mm-hmm. but people always seek the potential um you know th- i mean there's there's moments right but like people sometimes have moments where they don't see the potential in themselves you know yeah. um and then there's a lot of moments where people full of potential lack to see the potential in the opportunity or the moment. Right. And that's where the sadness comes in. You know what I mean? Where it's like, bro, yeah. you're so talented. How did you miss it? I mean, but it's easier for people looking out, you know. But when you're in the moment and you're like, I got to provide. I'm getting married. How, what am I, how am I going to? And it's like, that's where you really have to pray and see God, you know. And or, or, you know, if you're not a Christian, like, just slow down. Slow down. And still, if you're not a Christian, seek God. <laughs> If you don't believe in him, there's a God out there, just seek him. <laughs> and, like, I mean, I, I challenge God, too. Like, God, this is mm-hmm. an opportunity. Is this an opportunity for you to partner with me in providing, you know? I, I want to partner with you, God. And I put it on him, you know what I mean? And I just put my head down and worked and and just worked as hard as I prayed, honestly. And it was crazy is that, like, I'm so glad that I started writing down my prayers because those prayers from 2019 – early 2019, uh, wrote down X amount of dollars, X amount of time, a job that wouldn't taken away, taken away, uh, you know, have me taken away from the church or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mentors in the job. I mean, my first interview was with the director of business development partnerships and alliances, which is a crazy full title to have. And he literally like, liked me so much in the first interview, which was like an hour long. And he was like, I'm going to mentor you. He literally said that to me. Hmm. This guy isn't Christian, you know what I mean? And this guy never n- met me before in his life, and he literally says something that I've been praying about for the past, like, two years. <laughs> Where was this? This was at my job. At your current job? At my current job, so like yeah. like a second mentor? Or my current boss, yeah. My current boss. He, he literally said that to me in the first interview that I had with him. Wow. And he, was, he literally was like, we're going to fast track you. There's a three-interview process. You're going to make it the third interview, trust me. And then after the first interview, it was calling Tunde this day, the next day, calling my soon-to-be boss, and they were both mentoring me and giving me advice. Wow. <laughs> it was nuts. <laughs> yeah, kind of going back to that point where it's just like, you know, um, having someone invest in you, you know, like that mentorship. Like, yeah, And I feel like, vital. you know, seeing the fruits of that, and, and you're someone who's been in ministry, and I feel like lately that's been – uh, one of the most rewarding things for me. And because what's nice about ministry too, is like you take out that monetary factor too. Like mm-hmm. you, you're there. And I think sometimes like these younger people that maybe they don't know why they're serving, you know? Um, and they, they don't have like that, that perspective. Right. right. But they, they want to get involved, at least get like a sense of community. Uh, and that's been the, one of the most rewarding things is like seeing someone come in to a team and maybe like lack confidence um, and you're just teaching them like a very practical skill mm-hmm. set, but you're like, Hey, <coughs> this is something that they could in the real world, they could benefit from. This could right. become like a job for them. 
Um, and I think there's aspects of working on a team too. You learn how to like communicate, you learn leadership skills, like working with people, which can, you know, be challenging at times. Um, but like (laughs) just the real practical skill set, and also seeing people like, um, gain that confidence Mm -hmm. and kind of maybe coming in like a little intimidated. Like you came into a new field you didn't really know much about. So shy. Didn't speak. Just took notes all the time. Yeah. So it's just like, (laughs) you're totally green coming in like new people um and then like kind of coming out of your shell gaining confidence which has been huge like you know kind of seeing you two over the past year like now you know about crms and you know you're you're teaching me about stuff and um stuff i never thought yeah never thought so it is it's definitely cool to see you know it's crazy i didn't know how much i learned until like someone would get in a conversation with me and ask me and then I would be talking, and I'd be like, dang, it's been like 10 minutes of me talking straight for 10 minutes. I'm like, whoa, what the heck? I learned a lot. Because, listen, when I say I was green, like, I don't know what the darkest forest green, you know what I mean? What's the color spectrum? What's the color before green? Like, I was that. <laughs> I had Again, I had this, like, little notebook that I just wrote acronyms and jargon, sales jargon. Hmm. It literally, I remember in the beginning, it literally sounded like a different language. And I was like, what? SAS, pass, DAS? I'm like, uh-uh, man. <laughs> and I remember, like, this was, like, my main look. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, and and Tunde, my boss, was like, don't worry, Davey. Don't say anything, man. Just write it down. And just when, you know, we all shared, like, an office space, the three of us. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we'll close the door. Then you ask us, man. So it was a little notebook within my notebook. So I would have a huge notebook inside it tiny one so no one would like notice that's what i was doing um and it's funny because like there's mm-hmm. biblical principles and in, uh, in this whole story looking back but and it literally says in proverbs even the fool if he's quiet looks wise mm-hmm. and that's literally what it was um even though i was literally not the wisest person in this field like it looked like hey this kid belongs look at him taking notes looking like he belongs I think that's like so major. Like, even if you just show up and you're taking notes, mm-hmm. it looks like you're paying attention, and you probably are. I mean, if you're engaging, yeah. like sometimes I'm in meetings and nobody's taking notes. I feel like if you're if you're already like not taking notes, like for me, sometimes like when I'm like delegating or giving direction, I'm like, man, I can't believe people aren't writing this down because that's la- later going to translate to like miscommunication, miscommunication, and like, hey, where is this? Oh. I forgot about that. And people don't realize on the other side, that protects you. Yeah. You take notes, and then someone references something they never said before, you'd be like, hello, I take notes, dog. Where is it? You know what I mean? Right. And so that's that's how it is. But, you know, with leading stuff in the church, and, like, there's always that one guy. It's like, hey, man, we've been saying for, like, months, years, and decades to, like, bring a notebook. There's always that one guy that's just like, nah, man, I'm here. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just like, yo, you need a notebook, man. I think taking notes just shows that, like, hey, I'm into this thing. I'm serious about it. I'm here to learn. Like, I'm coming with, like, a humble attitude. Like, I'm, I'm here to learn. I want to see this thing succeed. And it sets the tone. Um, and you'd be surprised how many people, like, in an organization just, like, could show up to a meeting without, like, a notebook. And it's mm-hmm. like, oof. Like, it doesn't take that much to stand out. It and, like, doesn't. And again... 
Like, I learned this stuff in church, man, which yeah. is wild. I learned this in the church. Thank God. Thank God for awakening church. Yeah. Thank God for, for new life. Like, it's crazy. All the leaders in my life, like, and I think that was because, too, some of them were also high-level people, either currently or once were at, at, at jobs before, like, you know, leaving it for the ministry. And so, like, they taught those principles in their church. And it literally played out. So I'll never forget, I was in a meeting, first time with the CEO of the company. And I was like, let me pick the seat that he's not going to sit next to. Man, that ends up still sitting next to me. <laughs> I'm like, dear God, why? I don't want him to see my notes about the jargon and, the st- and all that stuff. And um, I'm, I literally have no idea what people are talking about in this meeting. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to tell Tunde back then, I'm like, so you guys will say like five sentences and then maybe per sentence, 0.5 words I would understand. Hmm. <laughs> because it was literally like that. And so I'm taking notes and I'm sitting right next to him sweating bullets, sweating bullets. AC's blasting and I'm still sweating bullets. And, uh, and other people are there that don't have no- their notebooks, you know, and hmm. I forgot my laptop. That's why I was sweating. I forgot my laptop and I just had my notebook. You know, it's crazy though. the CEO walked in, just had his notebook hmm. and everyone else there that was taking notes or working on other things because it was a presentation. I think there were some people in the room, not going to say names, you know, that didn't have their presentation ready and were just clicking away while other people were presenting. And I see the CEO just like keep looking and looking at the person presenting, then keep looking at the people tapping their f- tapping uh, the keyboards and working on their stuff. And I, I literally heard him grunting like, oh. This this old French guy. He's a cool dude. Name's Didier, which is it was just fire. Uh, and he kept looking, and I thought he was looking at me. And mm. I'm like, oh my God, he knows I don't have my laptop. Uh, or uh, my second thought was because I didn't understand what people were talking about. I was literally looking at his notes and copying them like I was cheating on a test. And so I thought he was like bothered by sitting next to me. And then all of a sudden he just goes, "Everyone just stop. Everyone just stop right now. You two that are on the laptop just." Just typing away. Can you please stop? Can you see that there's people over here that are presenting? How rude of you. Where's your notebook, number one? And I was like, I was just like writing everything. <laughs> I was like, don't ever bring a laptop. Bring a notebook. And he actually referenced me. He's like, we got this new guy over here taking notes. Come on. Wow. And you guys are all here, been here for how long? And I'll just never forget that. And I was like, how did I bring my notebook in? All those ministry meetings late night, hmm. always had to bring a notebook. And that's what literally like made me stand out to the CEO at first. You know what I mean? Until I started eating. And then that's how he references me. Yeah. Every time, <laughs> the first time he saw me eat, now he just references Davey, you eat a lot, man. And I'm like, come on, bro. <laughs> he literally was like, he saw me. Uh, it wasn't my fault, man. The first time we ate, uh, it was like a fancy restaurant. Every time he comes in, he likes to go to a fancy restaurant, brings the sales team or some of the key people out. First time out, uh, I look at the appetizer. Didn't really understand anything except the word lobster. So hmm. I was like, let me get a lobster for an appetizer. <laughs> it's not me paying. You know, it's the CEO's dime. So, And they accidentally brought me two lobsters. Jeez. And I wasn't going to waste them. You know what I mean? I ate them. <laughs> and the CEO took note because, again, uh, this guy was sitting right next to me, man. 
I said, let me pick the seat that the CEO is not going to sit next to. I'm like, the guy sits right next to me again. And he goes, he sees me eating, and he goes, wow, Davey, you eat more than Tunde. <laughs> that was his first <laughs> comment. His second comment was, you know, Davey, we have a saying in, in, in my country. And he goes, you know, it's better to have you as a neighbor than a son because you eat so dang much. And I was like, first of all, that's a fire saying. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that's pretty good. Second of all, that's offensive. But I'm <laughs> like, but I'm what I, it's like you're paying for me, you know what I mean? And I'm, you know what's crazy, too, in that, in, that, um, in that restaurant, there was, like, mirrors. So, like, when you're sitting down, like, the mirror is, like, where you're, like, if you're sitting up straight, you can see yourself all around and on the walls and uh and i'm sitting and i can look at myself in the mirror on my left side there's a ceo of the company and on my right on my right side there's the uh hold on sorry i'm very gassy maybe today. i shouldn't do the uh sparkling water yeah the sparkling water it's is a little like, too gassy wow <clears throat> sorry guys all right so on the left side is a ceo and on the right side is the VP of sales of all of North America on my right. And I'm sitting in between these two guys and I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, this is nuts. Hmm. How am I sitting in between these two guys? I've never been, I've never sat around people. (laughs) You're burping too, huh? Hey man. (laughs) I was like, I've never sat next to people this high, high up. Hmm. And, um, and I thought back, I'm like five months ago, I remember like, Telling the kids, all right, you got to go back to your classrooms, emptying out the cafeteria, sitting on one of the tables at the cafeteria, like stressed, thinking to myself, how am I going to provide for this, the love of my life? Hmm. Will will this ever work out for me like it did for everyone else? Yeah. And then fast forward, and I'm sitting in between those two guys. And I'm like, this is crazy. What would you say to someone like in your shoes, um, you know, whether they're like transitioning from like, you know, maybe that minimum wage job or, like, you know, that, that job you ended up starter out kind of thing. Um, and maybe they're taking that next step into, like, what, what would you say to that person? Um, how, do, how do you get to that, that next level? <clears throat> um, Simple, man. You got to find a mentor. Hmm. You have to find that. You have to, you have to find exposure. The problem with people, right, like, oh, man, they got so much potential they don't know. It's like w- part of that is because they have zero exposure to greatness. Hmm. And obviously, like, greatness in a, in a general statement, like, but also, like, greatness in their specific niche that they're in. Uh, also love listening to podcasts. Great that I'm on one. One of the podcasts that I listen to, a leadership podcast, he says, hey, man, like, there's this uh, – <clears throat> There's this NBA player that comes to my church, and we were talking, and he says, man, there's this young kid on the team, and he's, he's, he's so good and doesn't even know it. Hmm. And my hope and prayer is that he gets to go to the All-Star game so that he'll be on the team with LeBron or with Stephen Curry or with KD or with Kyrie or, or with all these big-name players so that he gets exposure and see how much he has to work on. Because he's the big fish in the little pond. But once he gets to the ocean and sees how small he is and sees how much he can not only work on himself, but see that greatness is attainable. You know what I mean? Like it's different to see greatness from far away, but when you're next to it, you know, there's some people that are fearful of it, of the greatness. 
<clears throat> and be like, oh my God, you're not even human. And then there's those that are next to the greatness and go, how did you do that? Hmm. They're, they're, how, how many hours did you spend on that? There's no way you can just do this, this ABC, and, and that's it. Like, there must have been a process. What was your process? What time did you get up in the morning? Whoa, 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 hold on. You, you get up at this time? Okay, how, how long should I spend? Oh, you spend three hours? Then you take a break, and then you come back? You know? And, and that's, that's the, the greatness that you got to be exposed to. So if you're working a, uh, at a job and you feel like you're stuck in any way, like not just a job, if you feel like you're stuck in your marriage or feel like you're stuck like just growth-wise as a person, the number one thing you got to do is expose yourself to greatness, and you do that by a mentor. You know, There's almost no other way to do that. And, uh, and it takes courage to go out there and seek one. You know what I mean? Yeah. And once you find that mentor in that specific niche, it, you're going to, it's going to, and no matter what niche it is, as long as you're passionate about it and you have one or two, man, you're going to grow so fast. You are. Because like, again, the Bible says in Proverbs, there's wisdom, there's wisdom in the midst of many counselors, you know, and people in this day and age, they, they tend to, uh, to seek those many counselors and they just want to just do it on their own. And then all of a sudden they have this long journey with all these uh, mistakes and everything. And but if you have a mentor, you skip about five years, ten years. Yeah, it's huge. Um, I remember meeting with a consult business consultant. He would say the same thing. He's like, "You'll." He's like, "You're a really hard worker." He's like, "So you'll get to where you're going." He's like, "But with a mentor, he's like, you'll get there a lot with a lot less pain." Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. Like if you want to figure it out on your own, you can, but with someone who's already kind of traveled the road, like, Hey, I can keep you from making all these mistakes. And, um, I think a lot of people do want to do it on their own. Like, you know, um, which I guess is fine, but it can be a little bit more it's tough. Painful. But when also when you have that person next to you, coaching you, um, you know, they, they, they push you, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Cause when you do it sometimes on your own, you can lack that consistency. Which right. I was lacking, you know. I said it. You know, I wasn't consistent in high school. I wasn't, you know, that person that was a grinder in high school. You know, like I was a go-getter. Like that wasn't me, you know. Until I got exposed to many people that were like that, and then it started affecting me. You know what I mean? And like, I mean, like for you too, bro. I mean, <laughs> how long have have you been doing Move Mountains? Uh, five years. Yeah, and yeah. it's just. You know, another another um, leader that, you know, I look up to would say that, like, you know, any any place I go to, anything that I'm doing, any any endeavor that I'm really or dream I'm going for, I got to give it at least five years to see where it goes. Hmm. You know, but people only give it like five months, five days, you know, sometimes. And it's just like, bro, you didn't even try. You didn't even try. Yeah. So one of my favorite Joe Rogan podcasts uh Episodes is with a, d a dude named David Cho. Such a great podcast, bro. Oh. But you know what's wild? I never listened to the full thing. It's almost four hours long. Can you believe that? Yeah, yeah it's hard But they to have like some of them. five or six snippets. And if you just watch those highlights, that's like, you, know, yeah. you basically listen to the whole thing. And each one is in between like 10 minutes to like 20 minutes. It'll probably take me like a week to get through an episode of a Joe Rogan podcast because I'll mm -hmm. just watch it in like 15 minute segments. I mean, you know, it's crazy. Um, shouts, shout outs to Joe. Shouts to Joe. Because, like, 
You may not agree with him, but dang, when you listen to one of his podcasts, or you may not even like the person that's on, mm. it's very intriguing. Like yeah. every, almost every episode. Yeah, I feel like he's very like <clears throat> he's very much like, hey, I want to get to the bottom of it. I want, you know, he doesn't agree with like either side. You know, he's like he seems somewhat unbiased. Great middleman. Great middleman, and like very level-headed. You know, he just doesn't go for whatever you know it is on either side, and uh, he'll call out his guests. You know. Or he'll like want to like fact check things like on the spot. Always. Yeah. Always. So, I feel like he gets discredited a little bit, but I I really enjoy uh, his stuff. Like at least the ones I've seen. I'm telling you, man, look up the David Show. There's two of them. Mm-hmm. The second one when he has like long blonde hair. <clears throat> Do you know who that is? No. <laughs> Bro, insane story. If who knows where your podcast will go, but if you can get him on. I mean, that's a great time. Yeah. This man was, uh, like, traveled the world and everything. And this is, like, an Asian dude. And Oh, is yeah. this the guy that was, like, a hitchhiker? Mm-hmm. And, like, he would, he hitchhiked across, like, the whole country. And, like, he would have when people he was get like in his car. 18. And right before they would, like, drop him off, he, they would start, like, saying all this crazy stuff. Yep, yep, yep. That's it's the podcast like, yeah, I'm talking like, about. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to kill you or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, I killed someone. Yeah. And it's crazy. But... His story, like, mm-hmm. you know, he, he did all that, but, like, he was also a graffiti art, artist. And uh, Facebook, like, in 2004 had, like, they just had a hu- bought a huge building, empty walls, and they just needed to fill it. And they, they hired him, and they were going to pay him $20,000, like, per wall or something like that. Oh, and yeah, he was he like, nah, just equity. give me give me, give me me stock. And now his stock is worth, like, over 200, 250 mil. Wow. Yeah. So, and I think he works for Vice now, but like my man just like, if he's into something, he just like, he dives into it. Yeah. And it's like crazy. He has crazy stories. It's nuts, bro. He's like, yeah, I spent like uh, three to five months with uh, the last hunter gatherer tribe in Africa. And they're looking up like the last hunter gatherer tribe on like Google and random pics of like, you know, uh, you know, tribal African people. Mm-hmm. And he's like, whoa, whoa, he does this multiple time on the episode. Whoa, stop right there, bro. Oh my God. I think I know that guy. And says like their name and everything. And it's like these random pictures of <laughs> African people. And he's just like, oh, stop right there again, bro. I know that guy. I'm, I, I slept in a cave with him. It's like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> it's nuts, bro. It's nuts. I've watched that one. Yeah. I, I see those clips. I've seen them on like TikTok. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a 15 second, like, you know, a 60 second, like little clip. And it's just like, it seems really intriguing. Yeah. I've watched it. I watched um, the one where he talks about the hunter gatherer tribe, like that little clip. Mm-hmm. And then the clip where he's talking about like uh, hitchhiking. And one of the best ones is a clip from the same episode where he talks about when he was 18, he started hitchhiking throughout the world. And he was like in a farm in Israel. And he heard about, like, this lost dinosaur that could be in the Congo. And that clip is, like, 30 minutes long. But he goes on this crazy adventure to get there when he was, like, 18. And it was just, like, insane. The story, like, he almost died of starvation, got lost in the jungle. Like, this, like, uh, this, like, lost tribe in the jungle, like, found him, like, and saved him. Like, it was insane story, bro. That's crazy. Just because he read a book and said there might be a lost dinosaur in the Congo. And he went over there when he was 18. Like, nuts, bro. Like, who does that? Yeah. Who does that? Did he have a family? Yeah, he did. And he, like, wrote, wrote them, like, a last letter multiple times on that trip to the Congo. Because he was like, 
I just don't know what's going to happen to me. But he's like, he's like, the closer I got to Africa and the country of the Congo and then the Congo jungle and the and all that, mm. he's like, the closer I got there, it was like, people were like, yeah, there's a dinosaur out there. Yeah, yep. He's like, the closer I got over there, he's like, no one was saying there's no dinosaur. Everyone was saying, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I saw it once. Yep, yep. He's like, even the, the tribe that found me almost dying, he's like, even they were like, oh, yeah, you want to go see it? We can show you. You just got to go through this, this. It was like like lands and, and swamps that had like leeches and parasites that would go up your your Johnson, your man parts. And he was like, Jeez. then he would, he would, he's like, I couldn't go through the lake that had the parasites that would go up there. He's like, I couldn't do it. So I was like, you know, forget this dinosaur or whatever. <laughs> but it was, it's a wild, it's a, oh, it's a crazy story to listen to because like, it's so abnormal, but it's like, and I wonder how many people would do that if they saw like, you know, again, like, he he was exposed, so he knew he could do that. You know what right. I mean? He knew he's like, oh, there's 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 something that intrigues me. I can go to that country, and people like just like are just stuck in stuck in their ways and are always here and are always, which isn't a bad thing. But it's like you know they don't they couldn't fathom that they could travel or that they could go somewhere or that they could do something or they could learn something new. Hmm. And what really sparks that is when you start exposing yourself to greatness, you know, or exposing yourself to new things in a healthy way, you know, and healthy things. But that's the only way that will, you know, will normalize it to you. Like, oh, yeah, I could travel. Oh, yeah, yeah, I could do that. Oh, yeah, I could open up my business. You know, I didn't think I could do something like that until I started working in the job that I was working in. And all the people around me have their own business. And I'm like, hey, my God, <laughs> why don't I just start, you know, maybe the end of this year, do my own business. Never had that that hunger in me till like this year, you know what I mean? Hmm. And it was because like I got exposed to people that were like, "Bro, you know, there's no point of you living in America if you don't have your own business." And I was like, "Oh, you're right. I gotta get my own business tax write-offs. Come on now, gotta experience that." Yeah, it's um, I, I think there's something really attractive to like to that like unconventional life, you know, um, and even hearing that story is just like, yeah, that'd be. It's a cool way to live. I mean, to some degree, you know, to some degree. I mean, that. I mean, dying in the Congo's like <laughs> maybe not. You know, it's crazy that the other parts of that story, there was a there was a kid that he met in Congo that was like there on his own on vacation. Some German kid that was like groomed to be a politician. And like he met him and he was the only dude that spoke English in the area. And like he was like, yeah, yeah, let's go together, bro. And they go together and like while they're starving and they get lost in the jungle like they had a story that they would tell people like uh I'm his bo- I'm this I'm this you know German dude's bodyguard but while they were in the jungle the guy like got tapped and like thought the story was real so he would be like bro go get me water bro go get me food and like anytime that they were like they had rations and water to save dude would just chug it all eat it all and he'd be like bro that's my food like what are you doing <laughs> like it's a crazy story bro <laughs> it's a crazy story that's insane yeah I got to watch that one. Um, getting back to your earlier point, it being in that conference room when the CEO is there, um, uh, what I was thinking is just like, I feel like the CEO, right, is taking it so seriously. You know, it's like, and I feel that like whoever's kind of like leading whatever they're doing, mm-hmm. to them, it's the most serious thing, you know, and I feel like sometimes people can kind of come in oh, yeah. and they're not treating it with like this with the same amount of like, 
you know, my boss has taken it this seriously, you know, maybe you're like down here. Mm. Um, I mean, like CEOs like have to do that. Like the leader has mm. to do that. Um, and finding people, you know, on that, on that same level, um, can be tough, but like, you kind of got to expect that though. Like, yeah. and be aware of that. Like, oh, the CEOs like, they're taking it that seriously. But think about why the CEO is taking it that serious because he has the cr- most responsibility. Right? right. So like when it comes to like leading a team, like I've learned uh, through books and obviously through mentors too, that like, you know, you, you have to, in order to grow, you have to let go, mm-hmm. you know, that I, I, I probably started getting more passionate for my job when I started getting more responsibility, mm-hmm. learning new things and said, all right, Davey, now you're the guy, you know what I mean? And again, people want that. I wanted that. Now, I wanted a job that was going to be a pillar that I had stuff to bring to the table that it seemed like, you know, people want to be there. And that's what the job I have now, you know, and that's why I'm like part, part of the reason why I'm passionate is because of that, you know. And like uh, one of the books of leadership that I read um, like a year or two ago literally said like the rule of thumb is like 80 percent. Like any if someone does something as good as you, like 80 percent as well. Give yeah. it away. And the, and the guy was like, I would say even 50% give right. it away, depending on what it is. Because, like, like that's how people start to get passionate. They only get passionate through ownership, you know what I mean? And so, like, uh, and, and people will, will take it serious for a shorter duration of time because of the responsibility that they have. But they have greater responsibility. The greater the time they got to put in, the more time they become serious about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like... Uh, do I take my job serious 24-7 like the CEO? Probably not. But there's three o- three hours in the morning that I that I just grind it out and then I take my lunch. And then in the afternoon, there's another three hours where I grind it out, three or four hours, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's how it is because based on the responsibility I have and the time that I have, you know? But the CEO, I mean, like, he's he has his thoughts and hands in every single pot in the company and every single department and every single person and all these teams that he has to check on. So that's why it's like, and it's like, you know, when you're a leader and you're looking at these people, like who it's easy to look at the people that you're working with and being like, man, no one's taking it as serious as me. There's even that one guy never brings his notes. Like, come on. <laughs> but it's just like, no, all these people deep down inside want to be that person. Mm-hmm. They want to be that person that's taken serious. They want to be that person that feels like they can say their ideas. Mm-hmm. And the only way that, that you we will see that materialize in people that, you know, are on our teams or anything is giving them stuff to do, you know, and saying, like, I trust you. Right. And if you fail, man, hey, man, it's on me. You know, it's not on you. And if you succeed, man, it's all on you, bro. It's not on me. It's because of you. Hmm. And having that, like, mentality with the team and, I've never, I'll never forget, like, with the team that I lead at church, it was a whole big event, biggest event that we had that year. And I was like, hey, guys, I'm just going to focus on this specific area. Everything else is on you guys, all right? And I trust you guys. But that means that any questions that you may have, I'm not going to answer. And it was the toughest thing I've ever done in terms of leadership. Like, I was like. Was this like an exercise you kind of did for yourself? For yourself, but it was greater for them. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I knew that could, because, you know, you've been in situations like that where someone asks you a question and he's like, I know you know the answer to it. Right. Or I know you could find it very easily. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, and as a person on the other side, you never realize that. 
you know, you, you really mm. never realize, like, oh, I could do this on my own, you know, right. until, until the person that's over you, like, is just, like, pushing you to do it. Like, no, you got it. And it was, like, just, you know, there was, I'll never forget one question was, like, all right, we got the pizza. We got the food. Check that off the box. Yeah, and I was, like, good job, guys. Now, how's the pizza getting here? And they were, like, oh, my God. Who's picking on this? <laughs> oh, my God, it's going to get cold. Please, Lord, please help. And it was, like. They look, they, I remember when I asked that question, they all looked at me to wait to answer. Mm. And, you know, like, you know, that's type of stuff, like, I kind of don't like because I'd rather be, like, collaborative and, like, everyone's bringing something, everyone's talking, whatever. Right. And I just stood there silent, like, I'm not going to answer it, guys. You got us. You, you got this. You got this. And it literally was, like, a minute later, you know, or an awkward moment later of silence. And then someone was like, what about this? Yes, we got it. All right, check it off the box. Yay. And it's just like, now I, and, and then when the whole event happened, it was very successful. And I literally said, guys, this is on you. You pulled this off. You pulled this off. Think about this area. You did that. Think about this area. You got that. Yo, you, you don't ever bring your notebook, but guess who solved the pizza situation? It was you, dog. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, like, the next time we have an event, they know they could do this. I've done this before, you know? And it's like now with those same people, those same leaders now, it's like teaching them that, hey, if something someone does on your team something as good as you, give it away, guys. You want to grow your team? You want to grow your specific area? Give away your responsibility to the people on your team because they want to be like you. They want to be the person that wants to bring something to the table, wants to be a pillar in the team, and you just got to trust them, you know? And you got to be be careful that the way you do it, you know? Because for some of them, I see, like, they just like, all right, here you go, and, like, they just walk away. And it's like, hey, man, you got to communicate. You got to talk to them and, like, teach them. You can't just drop it on them. And for others, like, they just hover over them like a like a, like a mom or something, like, like no, 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 don't uh, – uh, 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 uh. And it's like, oh, don't do that. Like, it's yeah. okay for them to fail. Like, if they if they fail, I'm not going to be mad. You shouldn't be mad. You know, th- this is they're trying. This is their first time, you know. And it's like uh, when when you design, like, an atmosphere like that, mm-hmm. there's, there's so much growth that will happen, you know, because now everyone feels like, hey, this is room for me to grow here. Um, but when there's no opportunities. Right. Yeah, um... I think having like a challenging environment like is good. And um, like I'm someone who tends to like if I'm not being challenged or have like the next like goalpost in mind, then I'll kind of like, you know, I'm kind of bored and looking around for things to do. Um, But I've been both that person. I've been the person that like hovers too much. I feel like in the beginning, I was like Mm -hmm. very much on top of the team, like, you know, to the point where they would just be like, give me some space. Like they wanted the autonomy, you know, and I really wanted like I want this to be the best thing ever you know Mm -hmm. and I was like micromanaging it and trying to get the results that I wanted that were probably more realistic on a timeline of like one one to two years one to 18 months something like that I wanted them like within the next few months so I wasn't given enough time to like see those actual results so I was like so heavily like involved um but then I've also been the person too where where I feel like I'm more of that now where I'm just like very Mm hands-off where it's just like you guys have been doing this long enough. Like you guys should know. And if you guys do fail, well then it's just like, you know what? Why did it fail? Yeah. And it's just like, well, you're not, yeah, you might be great at doing X, Y, Z, but like, 
you know, these other planning pieces, you know, mm-hmm. were in place. Yeah. Um, and does like failure like highlight that more? Does like the pain of failure highlight that responsibility to like kind of kick in for the next time around? Where it's just mm-hmm. like, man, I don't want that to happen again. And that's kind of, I think that's kind of where I'm at now, where it's just like, if I'm just totally hands off, you know, I know there's going to be um, mistakes made along the mm-hmm. way. And then we discuss what those mistakes are and why they happened. Um, <clears throat> because I think uh, a friend of mine mentioned this. She's like very much like a rescuing leader. So it's like when I start to see things going wrong, I like jump in mm-hmm. to like, yeah. you know, because I don't want to. That's a good way to uh, put it to rescuing leader. Yeah. Where it's like, I don't want to see the mission fail or maybe it's like, I don't want to see that person fail. I, I feel like for in my situation, like, you know, I'm more like mission critical. Cause I feel like, um, mission kind of affects the whole. So it's like, I'm very much, I want to jump in. I don't want this thing to fail. Yeah. But I think to some degree having those failures and allowing people to kind of feel that along the way can be, you know, the greatest teacher, you know, absolutely where you can kind of like, run yourself dry saying the same thing over and over. You got to, you got to take notes. You got to do this. You got to take notes. You got to do why, like, you know, but it's just like, let that person fail one time. And then you'd be like, man, I got to take notes. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, what's crazy is like as bad as you don't want them to fail. They probably as equally or as more don't want to fail either. Yeah. Like no way. Like, you know, and they don't, no one wants to be that guy that like makes the, the topples, the whole like pyramid of cards. No one wants to be that guy. You know what I mean? But m- people don't realize that most mistakes won't uh, won't take down the mission. It won't take down, take down, you know, the team. It won't take down you, you know. It won't take down the person next to you. Like, people don't realize that, you know. And it's like, especially if you're the leader, you're like, man, but if that person makes that mistake. Right. Man, it's just going to ruin it. And the reality is, it's really not that bad, you know. And again, that's something that, like, ministry taught me, you know, the leaders that I was under. Like, hey, we're all problem solvers here. We all, this is how you solve a problem, everyone. You minimize it, you solve it, and then you move on. There's no magic anything outside of that. The magic sauce is you minimize the problem, you know. And that's how these people learn, you know. That's, that's literally how, and if you think about it, that's how you learn. That's how I learned. Yeah. You know, it was because I've gotten many a chances to fail and to succeed. And that's why I know what's to do and what not to do. And the lack of experience, like, you know, people always, especially in jobs, seek experience, you know. But there's something special about homegrown experience, you know. Like, my company loves me now. And it's funny because they've seen me in my engagement. Now they see me married. Now there's, like, there was their kids coming. And I'm like, you better hold off. You know, I'm asking me those questions, <laughs> but it's like, but they, but they love me, uh, because you know, not only the good attitude, but like they love me because I'm homegrown. You know, they've seen how much I've grown right. in terms of my experience, in terms of my knowledge, in terms of bringing something to the table, and there's just something special about that, and that meaning that every single person on your team or on in, in your in your business has to be like that. But, like, you cannot be afraid to at least let 20% of the people that are in your business be like that. Whereas these are homegrown people, you know. And you'll you'll see, like, one, people will love probably the business and the team more. Because, like, man, like, I've grown so much. Now I'm, now I'm at this level or whatever. And now I can bring this to the table. Now I can help this person train. Like, I'm now training people at my job 
with some of the stuff that I know, even people that are in higher positions than me. Hmm. And I think to myself, like, how the heck did I get here? I still remember that cafeteria scene, sitting down, you know what I mean? Like, thinking to myself, like, what am I going to do? Like, how did I? And it was just because my boss didn't, you know, let me, and, and Tunde didn't let me, like, be afraid of failing. I mean, sales is like you're failing all the time. You're failing all the time. That's something that you can so easily see, you know, because it's just tied to the number, you know? So it's just like that number doesn't lie. That number is like clear as day for the most part. Most of the time, so mm-hmm. it's just like, can't change that. Like, you know, um, yeah. but it's just like what has, what this job has taught me. It was to see behind the numbers hmm. and it's like, cause there's so much data. Right. Then just, we didn't meet our goal. There's so much data in there that's teaching us how to one day meet our goal. And uh, I think that was like when I finally realized that, that's when I was like, hey, man, I'm okay with, you know, one of the qualifications in sales is no. That's a qualified lead right there. Hey, Sean, I've been trying to call you for months, man. You know, and, and no, this person has no idea that like, man, if you just say yes, I'm going to get this payout and it's going to be so good for my family. And they go, nah, man, I'm good. And they click on you. That's a good thing in sales. That's like, hey, man, that person is a qualified lead. It's a disqualified lead. So now you know you're that person or that business or that company. There's a no, and you don't got to waste your time no more, and you could focus your efforts on on this company that's looking hot or this this business that's looking hot or this person that looks like they're about to be your champion. Right. And you should smile and continue dialing. Like, And, like, at, at first people will say that, and I'm like, you're crazy. And I'm like – one of the first calls that I had, I said, hey, I'm looking to, oh, I'll never forget the name because I thought the name was sick, uh, Kathleen McQueen. That was her name. <laughs> I'm looking to speak with Kathleen McQueen, and someone answered a man's voice, Kathleen's dead. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry for him. I was like, <laughs> almost like trying to have a moment with him, pray for him, cry with him, and he just clicks on me. And, like, my boss was like, ah, oh, you got your first one, huh? Make sure you look up the obituary in the county to make sure that you didn't get played. Looked up her obituary, man. Kathleen McQueen, man. Like, She's dead? Yeah, 2019. Dang. That's crazy, but, like, like that's just the nature of, like, the business. Like, mm. yeah, you just, you're always going to get a no, man, and that's okay. And, like, I literally had this conversation today with mm. a new VP of sales on my job, right? And he's asking me and all this stuff. And he's like, you know what the difference is, Davey, between the guy that meets his quota and the guy that doesn't is that the guy that does is like at least one hour per day just making calls, just 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 used to the no's just to get that one yes. A hundred no's on the phone just to get that one yes. And he's like, and the person that's scared of the phones, hmm. no matter what level that you are in sales, no, no matter if you're a BDR, if you're... Uh, a regional sales manager. He's like, you know, the difference is the person that at least puts an hour in of making calls, you know, or the person that is like, nah, I'm putting four hours, like whatever the number is, you know, mm-hmm. the amount of time. But the the main point is, is that there's pe- that's the difference is there's, there's people that are afraid of the nose and there's people that are, are, are able to embrace the nose and the people that are able to embrace the nose are more likely to receive a yes, you know, and the yeah. people that are scared of the nose are more likely to not receive that yes that they're looking for. 
Yeah, I think um, in the beginning, I mean, I, that was like my whole business when I first started. I was doing sales, which I had admittedly never really done outside of like Best Buy, you know, selling cameras and that kind of thing. <laughs> but you um, sold cameras. Yeah, I was wow. in the camera department at Best Buy. Um, but yeah, it was uh, a lot of lot of rejection, like in sales, you know, and it does compound on you. So it's like if you kind of let it. And take you down, it can. You know, can it's just like let it, man. Don't get you. you start getting a conversation going, and things are going well, and you think this person's gonna book, and then you got ghosted, and then you know that happens. Being ghosted over sucks. Over. Yeah. But what happens when that if that person says, "Hey, man, no, thank you," you're like, oh, "Sucks," but you're like, "At least I know." Right. Man, those leads that are ghosted, man. That, those are the most annoying ones. Yeah. The, they really are, and you know, it's like. The no's are also different. You know, there's some people that say no. I love those people that just say N-O, no, or no, thank you. Mm-hmm. It's like, you didn't waste any ounce of my time. Thank you, man. Yeah. I'll unsubscribe you. No no worries, bro. <laughs> um, I might even leave them like a heart note, you know what I mean, if I could. And then there's people that are like, you effing cockroach. <laughs> Go back to where you came from. Go back to hell. <laughs> and they're like, they're like coming at me, and I'm like, wow, like. A simple no would have sufficed. Like you wasted all your time. Like, yeah. like I've I've gotten some emails, man, that you wouldn't believe. I'm calling cockroaches, saying I'm one big cesspool of, you know, the word, and I'm like a four letter word. I'm like, wow, like, I, I I can't believe how triggered you got. All you just have to say is no, and I would have left you alone for the rest of your life, for the rest of your life. One of the last ones was like this guy telling me to have like basically a career in sales. And that the like in the beginning he said no, and at the end he was like, and the, again the answer is no, and I'm like, and it literally was like three three pages long if I printed that out, and I I just wanted to like say back to him like, man, in all these years of sales like, you should have known, man, just a simple N O would have sufficed, like, you know what I mean, hmm. and like it's it's all looking back now it's all jokes, you know, yeah. with with inside jokes with my boss and and the team, but like in those early days, man. It was rough. Well, I think like that's a that's a nice part about the job um, is like kind of developing your own like resilience to that, you know, and just even to uh, which I'm noticing it lately, like how a bad uh, customer experience like in a customer coming at me in the beginning is like emotionally upsetting, you know, like mm-hmm. two months, like, you know, just be like, oh, this is terrible, yeah, you yeah. know, and now it's just like, yeah, that happens, like, how can we figure it out? How can we, like, fix the situation? Um, sometimes you want to justify yourself, too, and, like, be right, you know, yeah, yeah. and it's just like, no, we know we did what we said we are going to do, and it's really good, you know, I know the times that we do mess up, and that requires a little bit more, but what about when you are right? It's just like, yeah, you could try to justify yourself, drag the customer through the mm-hmm. mud, you know, um, get your point across, but at the end of the day, it's just like how much time and energy do you want to further sink into this customer or this client? Right. Um, hey, how can we get this to go away? At that point, mm-hmm. it's almost just like we'll save money as like uh, as quick as we can rectify this. Like we're gonna save money and hopefully like save some skin as far as like reputation. Yeah. yeah. But and um, and all that too, right? Like there's more value in the company and in the team if if not just one person has that tough skin, right. but many have that tough skin. Right. You know, or are used to that. We had this conversation the other day in a morning meeting and I kind of brought it up and it's just like, I've been, I've been down there and like, I've kind of like learned these things. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, guys, this is going to happen. 
this year. A lot of emails like go direct to whatever department is kind of handling whatever. And um, it's like, I'm thinking like, man, they are going to be experiencing that. And I know how it can kind of like hijack you emotionally. Um, and a call came in like that today. And uh, one wow. of our shooters picked picked it up. And um, the client was like super unhappy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we gave her exactly what she selected on a proposal. Um, but she's like, I thought there was going to be so much more. Wow. Like, what gave you that idea? <laughs> like it's literally listed. It's an itemized wow. list. And um, the shooter was like frazzled, you know. Like, oh, I haven't like, heard that word in a while. Yeah. Frazzled. And it's just like, yeah, I remember being, I remember being there. And even till, you mm-hmm. know, I still kind of like felt. And it's just like, wh- which way are we going to go? Like what direction yeah. are we going to take this? So, But it, isn't it also interesting like seeing a person that's on your team going through a moment that you've been through and you're just like looking at them like, like you got this, man. I just keep pushing through. You got this. Yeah. That's essentially what I said. I was like, you can't let this, like, you can't let the water in the boat kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, because it will take you down. It'll take you down fast. Yeah. Um, it's not even your department to really worry about. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, she called you because you had her number and she's had a good experience with you so far. And send it over to customer service and have them deal with it. But it kind of goes back to that, you know, they're starting to experience and they're going to be the ones getting those emails and affected by those emails. Right. And I feel like those emails can like, you know, it's like one bad report feels like or one unhappy customer feels like everyone's unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, you know, having a mentor to kind of be like, hey, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. Like we can figure this out. How do we get them? Mm, you know, right. Um, because when they first experienced that, I don't know if you've ever seen Infinity War, the Avengers. When Thanos grabs the moon and punches Iron Man with it, it's like that's what a one bad email feels yeah, like. Yeah. That's what one no feels like. It's like Thanos grabbing that moon and slapping you across the face, and you're like, ah! But then a mentor comes in, and it's like, man, that's like a little fly. Like, just dust yeah. it off, bro, and keep it moving. Right. Yeah. Um, and, it, yeah, it does feel like that sometimes. Yeah, so that was a pretty good metaphor. That was actually good. That's actually how it feels like sometimes. I mean, it's maybe a little dramatic, but... <laughs> <laughs> hey man, when that dude called me a cockroach, I was like, hmm, "I'm getting fired today." Yeah, yeah, because it like you think you did something like horrible. You think you did something wrong. Yeah, yeah. But it uh, it is interesting being like you know seeing someone on your team go through that, mm-hmm. and then you like looking and like being like, "Man, like you got this." Like you just push through a little bit. Like just seeing them go through something that you went through, mm-hmm. and it's like you're kind of seeing them, like, grow in front of you. Or, like, right. seeing, like, this is a moment that has a chance for you to grow. And it's like, I love those moments. If I could see those moments every day, I would. Hmm. You know? And, like, yeah. <laughs> I love those moments, bro. I think, too, like, um, what's been interesting for me is, like, I want to say this the right way, but, like, Sure. You, had, you had mentioned like, you know, we had, we've gotten to like a certain place in five years, um, which we never thought we'd be at, but it's like, you still like, even in the beginning, like, we're kinda, you know, it's obvious, we're just starting out, right. We see ourselves as just kind of small and, you know, still doing well. I and mean, we did like a good amount, like even our first year. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you grow, it just kind of, it does get like a little bit familiar and you tend to like forget, you know like how far you know we've actually come and like how much we've like gone through Mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, it's just it's just kind of. I think I think you have to learn how to step back, and maybe mm-hmm. I do it too much to step back and be like, <laughs> "Whoa, this is looking good." But like, mm-hmm. I think you have to learn to do that because, like I, you know, like I said, bro, like, you know, and I didn't realize how one of a kind your business is, you know, uh, until we got surrounded by businesses that were like it. And I was in that meeting, like a fly on the wall, hearing all these other people ask these questions. Like, how do I hire someone? How do I bring another shooter onto my business? How do I, how do I change? And great question was, how do I get the business uh, being from just my face to like just the brand itself? And I'm right. looking and it was a FaceTime. Like you saw everyone's face. I'm looking at you just sitting in your car like this, like, yo, like, Sean's already done all of that. And, like, you know, one of my friends mentioned, like, your company making X amount of money per year or in, the, in 2018 and 2019. And, like, all these other people that had businesses like you that were around him were just, like, dumbfounded. Like, huh? What do you mean he's making that X amount of How did he even do that? And it's just, like, you know, you don't realize until, like, because you know, we're next to you, you know what I mean? We're familiar with you. But when you take a step back and look at it, like, well, this is nuts, bro, like, Business is one of a kind. My man's is one of a kind. Sean, you're one of a kind, bro. Oh, I appreciate that. That's very kind of you to say. Um, <laughs> that's why I brought you on this podcast today. Yeah, listen, I just want to <laughs> let the record show that, like, Collecting he didn't pay. He did. He is not paying me. You know what I mean? We're about to get to Lula's, you know, after this, and he wants me to pay for him. I mean, he's I want the shrimp tacos. I'm telling you, get the shrimp nachos. It'll change your life. I've never had nachos from there. but um, Best nachos in the whole world, hands down. Yeah, that that very problem was a huge problem for me. I remember having that problem, and it's just like, how do we trans? How do I transition the business from like every time they wanted me? So how it's like l- how long stuck. ago was that? Like that problem? Um, that was probably first year, first and second year. Mm. Probably even bled into the third year. I think as fast as you can get your name off like the email chain, um, and kind of be. You know, either have a salesperson or a customer service person where they're they're the first point of contact. As soon as you're no longer the first point of contact, um, and get some other names mm-hmm. in reviews, yeah. then like you're you're good for the most part. But we still get people like, oh, uh, I want the owner. And if you want the owner, that's our extra money, baby. It's more. You gotta, it's more you gotta money, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's crazy? Like you kind of want to be like the director in the movie that like hmm. has himself in the movie and nobody knows. You know, hmm. you showed me like a video of like for CIC or whatever, and I was just like, people watching this will probably never even know. Like that's the owner of this business right here. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that was an interesting thing. I think they just didn't want to hire talent, so it's just like, yeah, I'll be the, I'll be the guy. Okay, okay. You looked good on it, by the way. I always I mean, wanted to, like, act in something, so I was, like, my first... You are very dramatic. Cameo. I will say that. You are a very j- emotional person. Yeah, I appreciate that, too. That's probably why the business is so good, man. You get the emotions of the wedding day. Hmm. I never you thought, thought about it like that. You thought I was roasting you, huh? You thought I, I was... Thought <laughs> about it like that. Um, you know, my boss knows my, my wife's name, like, nickname. Yeah. And, uh... And he only references her by that nickname, like not Jenny or your So he wife. calls her baby cakes too? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. He's like, uh, hey, Davey, how you doing? Hi, hey, hey, man, how's baby cakes doing too? Taking care of her, bro? <laughs> I'm like, at first it was weird, but at this point it's like, 
You know, if he calls her Jenny, it's like, what are you doing, man? Don't call her Jenny. It's like he get he he gave me a wedding gift and literally said to Davy and baby cakes. And the way he says it too, he goes, baby cakes. (laughs) (laughs) Our boss is funny, man. He's a funny guy. You know what he's been telling me lately? He's been going, hey, are we gonna be best friends or what, Davy? Huh? And then just like lets it be dead silence. Waits for me to answer. He literally has been telling me, saying this like line to me like once, like, like every other day, man. Hmm. Be like, yeah, and like a serious meeting, and then just at the end, be like, uh, hey, David, we're gonna be best friends or what, huh? And it's like looking me dead in my eye, and I'm like, yeah, we, yeah, man, yeah, of course, like, and I'm like, this is crazy, man. How did I, how did I get to this point where my boss wants to be like friends with me? Like it's it's like weird, but it's awesome at the same time. Are you guys gonna be best friends? Honestly, I hope so, man. You know, he's a cool dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And honestly, too, like uh, he's just hilarious, man. But sometimes, like there was one time I roasted him in front of the new hire, <laughs> and like he didn't reference. I I thought I, I like I said, you know, you you throw a joke out there. You ever threw a joke in the on the wall and like just see how it sticks? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'd be doing that. I'm just like, I'm just gonna throw this out there, see what happens. You know, sometimes it fails. Sometimes it's like people are like, "What's wrong with you?" And other times people laugh and cry, crying, laughing. You know, and I said that, and I was like, oh, "Am I gonna have a job tomorrow?" <laughs> like that type of thing. And then, like, yesterday, something I said, like, a week or two ago, he finally references and be like, and was like, you got some nerve. <laughs> you, he, he's like, you got some balls. You know that? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you say that to me in front of the new hire? Wow. He's like, I played it off nicely, though, huh? And he, like, started laughing. But I thought he was going to come out my neck. I like that he waited two weeks. He just stewed about it. Yeah. And the joke was like he has a receding hairline and sometimes he sprays in his hairline. And uh I said something like, Oh, the the hairline looks swell today, boss, or something like that. Like it's not sweating off like normally. And he like is about to get a procedure where they like take some hair from the back and put it in the front. Yeah. And I think I referenced that as well. And he's just like played it off. <laughs> He goes, what's wrong with you? You know I'm afraid of that procedure. You know I'm holding it up. He's funny. He's like, but I always got to keep that forward. Fresh. (laughs) (laughs) My boss is literally like a a boss from a movie. Like, that's literally how he is. Like, he's over the top. Like, says one-liners all the time. Uh, Always thinks I'm not working, which is always funny to me. Like, he'll call me on, like, the computer. And, like, <laughs> he says the same dang thing. Ah, here we go, finally. Like, I'll answer it, like, on the second ring. He'd be like, ah, he finally answers, right, right? Come on. Shut, open the office door, shut it, sit down, crack open the laptop. He's like, I can't even <laughs> answer you unless I have the laptop open. He's like, crack open the laptop, grab your phone. Do their first dial. Yep, yep. Put in your password. Sit down. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. He's finally working. And I'm like, how you doing, man? <laughs> I feel like that sounds like my dad. It sounds like he could call me like any point in the day. He's like, oh, what are you sleeping? Absolutely. He's like that, man. And then, like, he brags, too, like, that he started his day before you. But it's like, but that's because your kids w- wake up at 6 a.m., dog. And they wake you up, man. 
It's it's just mad funny. He's like, you know, when I started my day, 6 a.m., been out here grinding. I'm like, man, you were grinding because your kids woke you up. Stop it. Stop it. He's just funny, man. He once called me with his shirt off, like running, like full force on the treadmill. You told me that. Yeah, yeah, you're saying that the other day. But just for the listeners here, like, that's what my boss is like, sweating. Hey! Oh, there he is, finally woke up. Look what I've been doing since 6 a.m. in the morning. Hey, man, some call it Monday, but I call it my day. And I'm just like, I'm just trying to get my coffee, trying to see, you know, you know what I mean? Like, wow. Definitely a sales guy. He definitely is a sales guy. He definitely is. I remember um, one of my teachers at ALC was saying um, two things that I really remember. One was... That if you show up on time and have a good attitude, you're like 10 steps in front Absolutely. of the other guy. Absolutely. For sure. Show up and have a good attitude. Show up on time. Have a good attitude. Yeah. Um, I would I would do that with uh, the job I have now in the beginning. Um, <laughs> I would literally like open up the office and some days I would be the one to close the office. Mm. And, like, people would, like, be like, bro, what are you doing? Because they they familiarize with the job, with their position. Right. They're like, Davey, you always seem to open and close the office, man. And I was a new guy, you know. And, like, uh, and I would do that and just always smile. Hey, what's going on? Hey, everyone, help. And, like, now everyone expects that. And it literally, again, something that's biblical. The Bible says that, like, Daniel was in a land, Babylon, Mm-hmm. In front of leaders who believed in different gods and everything, mm-hmm. you know, but he was elevated just because he had a good spirit. Yeah, and it's so true. You will be 10, 15, 20, 100 steps ahead if you just show up on time and you're like, hey, what's going on? You'd be surprised. Like in the morning, like you kind of walk in and people kind of have their attitudes, right? You, you mm-hmm. like you wait there. It's early or whatever. And it's just like a long day or whatever. Maybe they don't want to be there. But like. You know, I wouldn't say, like, don't carry that in with you. You know, it's like you um, getting nice, like, being greeted by someone who's kind of, like, groggy, disgruntled, you know, it's like, but being greeted by someone who's yeah. just like, hey, how's it going? Like, it's like, oh, hey, like, mm-hmm. you know, someone's in a good mood. That's nice, you know. Um, I feel like that's, it goes a long way. It really does. And people have no idea. Um, when I had that job working at the school, uh, there was a person uh, who was one of my favorite coworkers. She really was. And, uh, um, she also was like, kind of like the team lead without having the title. You know, if a situation with a kid got really serious, she was always normally the one to shut it down. If the the crowd of kids got too wild, she was again, the the one to always shut it down. Knew the kids so well. She knew how to work them and everything. Uh, but when all these promotions would come, she would never get it. And it was just because mm. she had the, literally like, you know, some days it was like the worst attitude ever, you know. And it was like worst attitude with her coworkers, even though her coworkers like liked working with her. Worst attitude with her higher ups, most importantly. And it was like any time they had to open a position. And she just never got it, you know. She always had an yeah. excuse. And I, and I felt for her because it's always tough to realize that. But it's just like, dang. If you just realize, like, if you just came here with a go- good attitude, they would have paid you massive amounts of money. Yeah. It's it's like in value. If you have someone that people, like, um, you know, they feel like you're appro- approachable, especially, like, if you're in leadership, you know, and they can mm-hmm. go to you. Um, 
you know, you show up on time, even like staying late, you know, it's just like if you're in a small place and you're doesn't it's I feel like it doesn't take much to be recognized. No. Like you don't have to go that much further to be like, wow, like man, that person's like always staying late or putting in extra time, like that person never is gonna let a project go late. Mm-hmm. Um, that person always has a good attitude. You can count on that person. Um person's taking notes all the time. Yeah. You know, it's so easy too to get wrapped up in the culture that's around you. You know, it's just like, oh no one else is taking notes, I'm not gonna take notes. Or like, you know, everybody kind of shows up like whatever. Like everybody else doesn't really have that great. It's like, well, okay, whatever. Like to be that one person, I would say even more so Mm -hmm. like in that environment. Because it's just like, you know, this is like counterculture right here. Smiling is counterculture. You know what's crazy is that like, again, my mentors told me that. Hmm. But what's funny about my mentors is they, especially when it came to that, they weren't showing up early opening it. Hmm. But they were like, but you got to do it because you're the new guy. You got to do it because you're just starting. Right. You got to be the best dress. I know there's some people coming here dressed that way, but you got to. Right. would come in late. I'll right. never forget my boss would ask me. He'd be like, hey, Davey, come with me, man. I'm leaving. And it's like 2 p.m. I'm like, let's go. And then one day he's like, he just randomly, like, while he was lecturing me, he was like, and I'm also trying to figure out when are you going to stop leaving early with me, man. You never wow. figured out this was a test? Wow. In my mind, I'm like, Davey loves leaving early. Wow. I wonder what's going to happen when I, I'm not here. Wow. And I was just like, you cruel man. <laughs> I was, oh, wow. No. I was like, you cruel man. Like, come on, man. Like, I, even though I'm not that person, you know? Yeah. And then, and it's so funny because when he would ask me again, I would just look at him in the eye. He's like, Davey, come on, man. Leaving. It's 3 p.m. You want to come with me? And I would look him in the eye and be like, no, sir. And he'd be like, good mans, good mans. Make sure That's you stay crazy. here until 6 p.m. I'm out. Yeah. Or he would take me out to, like, lunch for, like, two, three hours and then leave r- right after lunch and be like, all right, Davey, make sure you do what you got to do before you leave. Peace out. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. But it, but it taught me, man. It really did. I'll never forget this one time. Again, shouts to Tunde, but I'm about to expose him. Just fair warning. So, Tunde, if you're listening or – Watching this, just skip this part. So I'm about to expose Tunde real quick. Um, I'm going to expose Ola Tunde Unu Yingbo. Had to say his full name just real quick. Out of respect. So my first day at the job, he goes, hey, Davey, I'm going to drive you in, bud. I'm going to drive you in. Picks me up from my house. He goes, oh, I j- I'm sorry, man. I'm running a little late. You know, I woke up a little late, whatever. And uh, he drives, he comes in, he's like, all right, hey, let's stop to get some breakfast and everything. We get breakfast. I was supposed to be there, I think, at like 8 or something, or maybe 9. And I end up getting there at like 9.30, 9.45, heavy traffic as well. So heading to like a job in Boston. And uh, kind of get, you know, lectured a little bit at the end of the day. Not too heavy, but my boss being like, hey, man, just make sure you showed up on time. And I'm like, hey, man, like, you know, Tunde brought me, you know. And he's like, yeah, just make sure you show up on time. And I'm like, is not people people not hearing me? Like, I didn't drive myself to work today. And uh, I think that day also, my boss was like, hey, it's 3 p.m., leave with me, man. I'm like, Tunde, come out soon. Like, <laughs> leave it. And, uh, and then later in the car ride, Tunde's like shaking his head. He's like, how could you show up late on your first day? As he's like driving me home. And I'm like. Tunde, you must be out of your God-given mind. <laughs> like, I'm thinking this in my head because I'm not like, again, I still like just met Tunde. And I'm like, 
this guy must be out of his God-given mind. Like, <laughs> you're the one that drove me. Your idea was to go get breakfast. Like, come on. And he's, and I taught him, like, but, bro, like, you drove me. He's like, nah, man. You should have been on me to say, be like, yo, you better show up. If you're not here at this time, I'm driving myself. And I'm like, I had no gas, no gas money. Like, come on, bro. And he's like, nah, it doesn't matter, Davey. And he used that line. You don't want it, man. You would have said no to breakfast if you really wanted it. And I'm like, huh, bro, like, <laughs> come on. And then that was the last time, like, he ever drove. He ever, like, drove me. And, like, I just remember, like, again, like, I could have easily blown up. Had a bad attitude with my boss. Had a bad mm-hmm. attitude with Tunde. But I was just like, I just, you know, sometimes you got to learn how to take body shots. And that was a body shot for sure. Unfair. Still unfair, Tunde. But, hey, it taught me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I I, this is something I had to like train myself in doing. And now I like say it to like my employees where it's just like, you know, you can't have excuses and results. True. So it's like, you have to decide what you want, you know? And people think there are some excuses that are acceptable. Like, well, it's traffic, you know, why are we late? There's traffic. There's always traffic, but there's always a way to beat traffic. Traffic exists. Are you planning your route ahead of time? Yeah. Are you, you know, making sure, you know, you, you got to plan that there's always going to be traffic, you know, so mm-hmm. plan to be here 15 minutes early. What's wrong with that? Um, but he, I just hear it all the time. It's just like excuses just kind of like it's like in the natural way yeah. of like thinking you want to like excuse yourself out of responsibility. And I find like sometimes, too, if someone drops the ball and then they they don't take 100 percent ownership of it. To me, what I realized lately is like that communicates to me. You can count on this happening again. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And so I never like to leave a meeting. Like if I have to like have a conversation about something Mm -hmm. where it's just like, I need to hear like no excuses. This is why it happened. It's on me. And here's how, this is why it's never going to happen again. Mm -hmm. And then it's just like, okay, I I like have some faith that like, this isn't going to happen again. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that's just kind of like human nature. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very humbling not to, not to uh, have an excuse, you know, and think about that situation, valid excuses. But I was just like, Ugh. but it's true. At the end of the day, it's on me. Like my first day should have never left my first day in the hands of Tunde. <laughs> it should have been like, me. you know, some, some form of anxiety too. Like, oh, it's my first day. Like, what are we doing? But I can see that you kind of trusted him. Yeah. I did. Also, I was like, I don't want to drive 90 minutes to Boston in traffic, you yeah. know. But it was just like, again, how do I beat traffic? Oh, I guess I'll just wake up early, and that's why I would. Uh, that's why I would go in, in at like 7:30 a.m. and I would open up because I knew like if I was here five minutes later on the road or 10 minutes later, I would get here 40 minutes later, you know. And mm-hmm. I was just like, I'd just rather just drive on the road when there's less traffic. So I'll wake up early to beat the traffic and get there on time. No worries, you know. And uh, on a side note, there was a dude that had all the experience with me at this job. Totally different position, though. All the experience, all the head knowledge. My mans would show up at like 10 a.m. And leave, he'll be the last one to show up in the office and be the first one to leave. Hmm. I just couldn't believe it. Even Tunde, man, would be dumbfounded by this guy. Like, how? Like, just looking at my boss, like, how does he get away with it? You know what I mean? And like, Is he still there? Yeah, he is. Wow. Uh, but it's just like, you know, people look at him as like, is he actually working? 
Is he actually going to show up? Mm-hmm. Is he? And we'll see how long he lasts. You know, as is crazy. Like, Pete, and obviously it's it's harder again to be in his shoes and to recognize that. My boss says all the time, "Can't protect him anymore." I don't know. I don't know. You know. Yeah. And it's just like, bro, like, stop, stop being the last. You rather be that guy to be first one in la- and last one to leave than to be the last one in and the first one to leave. Just never looks good. Even if you're producing everything in the world, just never looks good. Mm. Well, it seems like last thoughts that you might have for, um, you know, anyone out. And like, like I said earlier in your position or yeah, find that, find that mentor in your life that you're looking for in that specific niche. And, mm-hmm. and when you go for it, be ready to fail a thousand times. Um, there was this kid in high school that literally was like, I'm gonna make beats. And there's a thousand kids in high schools that say that, mm-hmm. but he was willing to make 2000 beats. And it's just like, Hey man, there's no, and he's like making it right now. One of his songs being one of the most used in TikTok, working with celebrities now, celebrity or celebrities using his songs. It's like, there's no surprise by that because this kid's made 2,500 over 2,500 beats. Yeah. Actually one of the guys that works here, um, mentioned him. He's like, yeah, he'd always like hit me up on snap, like checking my new beat. And he was, he's like, yeah, he's like, honestly, I would like roast him and be like, I don't want to listen to your music and just mm-hmm. like make fun of him. And now it's just like that kind of perseverance, like, you know, just continually doing it. Yeah. Putting I remember yourself out there. I remember rejection. I'm, I wasn't cool with him like in high school. Right. Mm-hmm. So rent, uh, but he was cool with some of the people in my circle and literally like three years out of high school, they're like, Hey, come to his house. I go to their house and I'm like, I'm like, oh, bro, he's still making beats. I'm like, wow, <laughs> like I thought you were one of. The, I'm like, how many beats have you made? And he was like, 800. Jeez. I was like, what the heck, 800? And I went from I had zero respect to a hundred thousand respect for him because it's like, I know no one else in my life that has made that many beats. Yeah. And then I saw him again, asked him again, like, how many beats you make? Like, I lost count after 2,000, man. I'm just still grinding though. That's crazy. Yeah. And again, type of person that wakes up early, leaves the studio late. Oh, is this studio like a hundred thousand dollars? No, his studio is literally in his base basement, makeshift. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like, yo, he's just nonstop. And people don't realize like you gotta fall in love with the details. If I was to leave someone with the last thing, it was that fall in love with the little details. Hmm. The little details is what is gonna make you like d- separate yourself from the pack. If you're in sales, fall in love with the cold calling. Never fall out of love with that. And I think that's something that Kobe said, rest in peace. If you mm. fall in love out of the d- with the details, out in love with the little disciplines, then that's the red flag that's, that's going to say, like, hey, man, you might not make it. Or, hey, man, you don't really want it, mm. you know. But if you do and you just keep on doing it day in and day out, like it's nothing, bringing that notebook, you know, making that cold call, Reaching out to people to find a mentor. It's not an easy thing to do, but if you keep reaching out, you'll see you're going to make it yeah. because you really want it. Yeah, that's good. Um, I love that, being to the details um, and having a mentor. Like, you know, we had some new guys, new new hire recently, mm-hmm. and uh, great, great guy. Um, he's doing great, but in the beginning, it was just like I really had to, like, push him. I don't know if he has a mentor, but... I really had to push on a couple things. It's just like, hey, man, like these couple things could like ruin you. And you have yeah. so much potential. And so I had to be like extra hard on them. Because um, I didn't know if anyone else was like 
you know, kind of giving him that, like, you know, hey, here's how it is. Um, and now he's killing it. And now he's killing it. And he's someone, too, that's just like, hey, you're starting to get married. You got other things to think about. Like, you start thinking about things differently. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's crazy, you know, when I got into sales, there was only a couple people in my head from my friend group that I thought, like, if they ever got into sales, they would probably kill it. And he was one of them. Hmm. He was, he was telling me like, um, he's like, I think about it. Like I think about this job, like as like a video game and I'm like, that's a really interesting way to, to look (laughs) at, to look at things. It sounds like childish, but it's not. Yeah. But no, I was just like the way he's connecting the dots and I had him, we were kind of building out like this makeshift CRM through sheets and just ton of data, like ton of formulas, Mm. ton of cells. It was a lot of, and I kind of got it going but then i was just like okay you know you need to like multiply all these formulas like across the board and kind of and it was and i was just like but i was just like i've tried handing things over to like to that to a few people not everybody can get it but he was just like no i got it like it's just like simple for him and I she was handed like, that to me I was, like, huh? <laughs> I was i was impressed i was really impressed um and it, you could tell he liked doing it mm-hmm. you know it was a problem to solve and it was just like oh yeah yeah, because he, he's, in, he's into things that are strategic, too, like in, in games. He's also really good with people. I literally, hey, man, you should play Warzone because you're playing with people. You're playing against people. Right? You have a team. I think it's like Warzone has like it's like this huge map, 128 people or 150 people drop in, and it's like teams of four. So you got to really know how to communicate. And every game I've ever been with Raul, no matter how good uh, all these other players are, he's always the one, like, leading the group. Hey, what are you doing? Don't just randomly shoot. Or, hey, go on this side. I'll, I'll attack here. Like, hmm. it's pretty impressive, man. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. You should, you should definitely try it out, man. Like, Warzone, like, man, like, as much as that game gets me heated, but, like, when you're all clicking on all cylinders, like, it's a great time. It's hmm. a great time. Yeah, I've never been too much into gaming, but maybe one day. It's 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 like it's fun, like yeah. But it, with that game, like it almost forces you to be a competitive gamer, like because like you the first few times that you drop in, like you don't you don't you only have one life, so like you die, you get sent to like a a thing that if you win that one v one with some random dude, uh, like you can come back into the map and your friends don't have to buy you back. They can buy other weapons and other things that will make it easier for you to win or whatever. But like, uh, it like forces you to be strategic. Like, so like the first couple times that we we're playing rounds, like it's like funny, like, Oh my God, I got sniped or like there's some hilarious stuff. But then you get to a point where it's like, all right guys, let's get serious. Let's be strategic. Let's, let's get this, let's get this round. And it's like, especially like the, the map, like there's the, there's like a red zone that comes in and it gets smaller and smaller as the time duration goes by. Mm-hmm forcing you to encounter more and more people oh, okay and it's like it gets in i'll never forget the first time like i i played with a couple of my friends to get me my first win bro it was like intense because i didn't know that's how the game was and it's like you start like in the beginning like just talking about life like almost like having your own mini podcast with your friends mm-hmm. so when the circle gets small and smaller you just stop talking because it's like i gotta hear like because the game, too, you could hear people's footsteps. Yeah. If the person is in a little bit in the red zone, they're trying to run out of it. Like, they start coughing. 
and you could hear their person coughing. Uh, and it's like so the sh- intensity just like ramps up. It ramps yeah. up heavy, heavy. Hmm. It's crazy. It is crazy. But then when you win, you're like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I've never played a game. No other game has gotten me like that. You know what I mean? Especially like working with friends together like that. Like I'm telling you, man, it's a, it's a crazy time. Yeah, I think we're wired like that. Like, you know, you want to win. It's almost like survival in a way. It's almost, again, like what we talked about in the beginning. Everyone's seeking that. Everyone's seeking community. Hmm. You know, and I, and I don't think, like you said this earlier, like it's young people. <clears throat> Sorry again for the burps, guys. We only got sparkling See, water yeah, here. Sparkling water, blue drop. Um, it's actually blue drop water too. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's the blue drop goodness. Shout outs to them. Shouts out to them. <laughs> Bubbly. Uh, but it's like even old older people, no matter what area of life you're in, mm-hmm. you know, age, you're always gonna seek that community. You know? That's why people are into sports, you know. You, like you find out that a person is into the same team that you're into, what happens? Like the, the guard drops down, you start talking, you start, you start being like, you know, there's some formality when you barely know the person, but because you love the Celtics, you know, or you're into the same guitar or you're into watches, you know, it's like, even though we're not the same age or we don't come from the same place, like all the walls come down, Mm. you know, and people are always seeking that, you know, and that's why it's like, there's something special about always, having a team or a business that people are in, you know, and like, you just have to trust that, like, and tr- not trust, but just know, like, you know, they're trying to, they want to be a part of this, you know, mm. and it's easy to sniff out when they're not, because you could easily see that, <laughs> but, yeah. it, but it's harder to notice that like, Oh, they really do. They really are trying, you know, you really have to look to like notice that stuff. Mm. Yeah. I think Bryson's been like really kind of impressing that on me. Um, that consultant we've been working with where it's just like, you know, people want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, where he's just like, man, I don't like pay my people like crazy. Like I'm not doing like crazy. Like, and he's like, you know, but we'll go out. He's like, people want to be part of something like that's bigger mm-hmm. than themselves. Like, and, and you know, we'll go out, we'll, we'll take a vacation together. We'll do like brainstorming together. It's and it's just like, you know, he's like, I, I'd rather give someone an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's pretty good. Pretty good yeah. feedback. Yeah. You know, so it's like, but a lot of leaders aren't willing to do that. Hmm. I've seen it many a times. It's like, you don't want to get close to the people that are with you every week at all. Hmm. <clears throat> but like, you know, I've had people on my team that maybe have gone to my house a little too much. But it's like, you know, they look at me as more than just a leader, like a fam. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I love that, you know, but it's like, again, that's like, all that's easier said than done. Like when, what happens when you're like, you're a little bit tired. What happens when you need, you need some time by yourself. Like obviously find that time to rest. But like when you sacrifice that little bit of extra and you're like, Hey man, come over to my house. Hey man, let's get, let's get a bite. Hey man, let's, let's chill. Hey man, let's play some Warzone. You know, (laughs) it's like all of a sudden it's like the memories hold, hold the heart. You know, it's like kind of like that saying, I don't know if that is a saying, but maybe I just made it up. I think so. The memories hold the heart, you know. I'll never forget in high school, this dude and I did not like each other until the high, the high school, like, had an event, and we ended up being on the same, like, uh, tube. We went water tubing together. Mm. That was such a crazy memory that we had together. Became best friends right after that. I found that, too. Like, people that I've, like, been introduced to, and I didn't, I, like, 
you know, even maybe like hated them off the bat. Like, I don't like this person. Mm-hmm. Um, those are usually the people that like, I ended up becoming like best friends with Crazy. Friend Joe in high school. Did not like him at all. He's my best friend through all of high school. Wow. What's his name? Joe Casey. Shout out to you, Joe. Joe Shout Casey. <laughs> <laughs> Shouts to you, Joe. Great guy. I bet, man. Yeah. Cause man, you know, like there's not, there's not a lot of people that want to deal with you for that long. I'm not, and I'm not saying like you, like just like, you know, if you're listening like you, like me, like, you know what I mean? Mm. That's why I like, you know, I love my wife. Cause like, dang, you deal with me. And she says the same thing. Like, I love you. Like you deal with me, you know? Mm. And it's like, you know, when you're there for people too, as a, as like, as if someone that's, you know, the head of the gang or the leaders, like that speaks volumes to them. You know, a lot of people are like, how do I get younger people on my team? It's like, well, go to their game. Do you know when their birthday is? Have you ever gotten them anything? Have you ever even paid for a four for four meal for them? Well, then if the answer is no to all of that, then that's why you have no young people on your team. Like this is just, yeah. it's just as simple as that. And it's not just like young people. If you just want anyone to be on your team, like you just have to put yourself out there. And when they see that you're human, they see that your team is human or that there's some fa- type of, you know, family community aspect to it. Then that's when they want to, join the team you know or go to that church or be a part of that business you know yeah so, but there's if there's none of that then it's like nah man stay away from that business it's huge like because you know thinking back on it too like one of our first shooters probably our very first shooter um outside of maybe some like a group of friends um <coughs> i met her at a like a kind of like a photography meeting and i was like yeah i really like your work um and we went out and did uh, an engagement shoot um, together, uh, grabbed some food, and it was just like, you know, kind of became friends. She joined the team, and, like, that was it, you know? Mm. And she's been with us ever since. But, like, it it wasn't about money. Like, it was it was just it just seemed like, hey, like, these people seem cool. I want to be part of this team. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is, this is what it's all about. Um I think I think like if you to keep yourself in check as like a leader, you have to remember those moments when it was you. Mm. You know what I mean? One of the things that keeps me keeps me like going in terms of like leadership, especially in ministry in the church, and I I've told my team this, like I think of the leaders that impacted me. And I think about the mentors that I had. You know what I mean? And I think like there was such so there were so much riches in the nuggets that they gave me, nuggets of wisdom. And I, and I literally think it's unfair for me not to do that. Right. Like, forget the calling that I have, this big old calling. Forget the dream that God gave. Forget all this other stuff. You know, what really drives me at the end of the day, besides, <laughs> like, Jesus, is, man, my, my, my youth leader was really there for me when I was in middle school. Hey, that teacher in high school was like, he was, he really, like, would t- sit down with me for hours. Like, he didn't have to, you know. He didn't, he didn't have to, like, listen out and hear, hear my questions about the Bible and wh- what does it mean to be, like, a man of God. He didn't have to say yes to that, but he did. And, like, that drives me to, like, and if I don't do that, that literally makes me feel like, man, like, what are you doing, Davey? Like, you're being unfair to the next generation or the next people. I, I appreciate is um, 
I was actually thinking about this on the ride in to work this morning is uh, my, he was my, I think, 10th grade English teacher. Mm-hmm. And um, he had gone through, he was in the station fire. I'm not sure if you remember that. Uh, happened in Warwick where like uh, there was a club. It was a club yeah, yeah, caught yeah. on fire and people couldn't get out. And they were, um, they were basically like clawing over each other at the door and uh, like melting. And he was discovered Crazy. under this body of like melted people. Um, and so he lived, but he, um, he, that's crazy. Was out of school for like three to six months. Burns like he had a leather jacket. The zipper like melted into his flesh. And um, he came back and he was like super. He had gone through something very traumatic, but mm-hmm. he had like sat down. He's just like, I know you guys have a lot of questions about what had happened. He's like, I'm just gonna open it up. Whatever question you guys have, let's just get them out on the table, and I'm gonna answer them as honestly as I as I can. And he just let everybody like ask him questions about it was like totally transparent um and he ended it with um he's wow. like you're he's like you're gonna go through you're gonna go to more funerals than uh weddings and it was just like i don't know it really like i don't remember a lot from high school um but i remember that day i remember that moment and i remember him kind of giving us that like piece piece of wisdom um and it's just like you know, that kind of like transparency and just like that, no, that kind of knowledge like came from a real place, Mm -hmm. you know, and he had to go through something to acquire that. Um, and that cost him a lot to get that. Um, and he was willing to give that to us, to a group of, you know, 30, 20, 30 students that were, you know, 15, 16 years old. That's crazy. Um, it was really powerful, like moment, like for me, and I was, I don't know, I think about it from time to time, and uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, so it's like, you know, acquiring those things that can mm-hmm. really shape your perspective, that give you perspective in life, you yeah. know, um, and then being willing to like share those with like other people. And that, I mean, that's not easy at all, you know, and it's like. One of your first thoughts when you think back to that is like, yo, you didn't have to do that. Yeah. You didn't have to, but you, you didn't did. have to relive that experience or like, mm-hmm. you know, go through that. And someone had actually asked him because um, he, he had mentioned that he was with his brother or he was with his friend. Um, and someone actually had the courage to be like, did your friend make it out? And he was like, no. Crazy. That's nuts, man. Yeah. And you know why you remember that too is because like, he was being transparent, right. you know, and like, I feel like a lot of, you know, cause I saw this at the school, the teacher, you knew the teachers that were willing to be transparent with these kids right? and the teachers that were not, you know, and it was sad because like, well, why is, why does that class act up with you? Because they don't like you because they don't know you, you know? Yeah. And why does it, they favor this teacher is because the teacher is not afraid to stop class for a second and, open up and tell them a story or give them a piece of wisdom that comes straight from the heart. Those are always the best times. Like I remember in school where it's like we shifted from the lesson and there was like some kind of organic chemistry that took place, organic conversation and everybody kind of gets into it and they're going back and forth and you can tell like, 
the teachers between like, hey, they're learning something here. They're engaging Should right I now. Should I stop it? Or like, we got to get back on the lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and that's where like true <laughs> those, knowledge is kind of like, are best. yeah, that's where like that true knowledge comes like that, you know, that discussion and like, you know, hearing like what, what's really on people's minds, you know, yeah. being willing to like listen, uh, invite the conversation, um, not be afraid of it. And, you know, be okay with it. I mean, that's always when I was just like, oh, yeah, yes, like I'm learning something right now. Because I don't think people are against like school or education or yeah. um, developing. Like I feel like they want all those things. Um, sometimes like, yeah, too much structure can kind of almost uh, work against that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you, you really have to find not that balance, but that rhythm of when to bring in the structure when it's to be a little loosey goosey, because like I think about it even for like my team, um, like, you know, there's some of them that, uh, not some, I mean, I think about it for my team, like imagine if I just like, just always had a structured meeting, like mm-hmm. no one would ever want to come to this Tuesday night meetings. Right. But once in a while, let's go bowling guys, you know, or, hey, like, let's just watch, like, a movie together. Yeah. Or, hey, like, just come over to my house this week, you know? That's really good. I actually saw that, like, when you guys were going out for youth um, and you guys were going bowling, and I was just like, yeah, I got to do that. I got to do something like that, you mm-hmm. know? Um, we do, like, a Monday night debrief from the Sunday before, and I'm very much, like, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm not really feeling this meeting, but I'm like, no, consistency is important. Is important. Mm-hmm. Like, if I just say, if I, if I make... If I say, no, we're not going to do it this week, one time that kind of opens the door like, yeah, we don't have to do it this week, and then it kind of falls off. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not yeah. always like life-changing meetings or anything like that, but it's just like, hey, we met, we talked, what's good, what's bad, a little bit of improvement. Um, I don't want to like waste anybody's time, be there for too long. Um, but yeah, I did see that on your stories, and I was just like, yeah, that's, a, you know, I got to do that. Like that's something I'm thinking I'm going to need to incorporate that here. Um, and then also like, you know, the church, it shouldn't just always be like, about the yeah i always think like you know it's better uh, i mean in 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 a in a wise way but like you know you always got to make sure that you're making memories you know that 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 breathes life into the community you know what i mean like mm. seeing a person that you didn't know but then you had a crazy moment and you're like yo bro <laughs> yo <laughs> when you said that at that moment like yo you're a genius bro that was so funny and like you know, or or like, hey, we just show up here every day, barely know anyone. But like, when you go out, hmm. when you hang out, you start having stories, you start having fun. That 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 makes the whole atmosphere better. It yeah. really does, and it makes the community better. It makes it more feel like, like what Jesus said to the disciples, like looking around, like, yeah, you're not my servants, guys. You're my friends. Yeah, you know what I mean. You kind of want to. Why Why did he say that to him? Was Jesus being like? So, like, super deep. I mean, sure, but probably, like, guys, I spent three years of my life with you guys. Hmm. Remember this memory? Remember that healing that I did? Yo, like, I was spitting the guy's eye. Like, that was, that was nuts. I don't know what I was doing, but. Yeah, like, why did I decide to do that? I don't know. <laughs> why did I do that? <laughs> and they all, like, probably laughed. And, like, he's, and he probably just looked around and was like, yeah, this is just my friends, man. I knew what was coming. Like, Jesus said the greatest love is when a friend gives his life for another friend. Hmm. And he did that for his friends, you know? So I was just like, you know, he 
he knew the power of friendship. And I, like that's kind of yeah, how that's like, good. like I respect I respect like friendship so much, you know. Like I, I think like it's not I think it's one of the most important relationships that you can have in your life. Is yeah. is, a, is a good you know, grade A premium friendship. <laughs> yeah. You know, FDA certified, baby. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's just, and honestly, like, you know, I thank God for some of my friends. I have a friendship that's been, you know, over 20 years, 22 years. You know, I have another, other two friendships that I have is, you know, that are like 16, 15. Some that, um, a lot, that actually, that are coming on 10 years. It's like, you know, it's, it's like crazy the references that we could say, you know? Why is it inside joke and inside joke? It's because it's a memory. Yeah. You know what I mean, you had to be there. Yeah, it's true. That's like, it's, I feel like that's like true currency too. you know, like friends and, uh, you know, making memories, things like that. Like, it's cool. To like, you know, having a successful business or like, you know, it is like, you know, people say like, it, it does get like empty, you know, mm. where it's just like, it's great accomplishing things and kind of see, I'm very much about like, know what can we build how big can we build it yeah, yeah. you know and going for it mm -hmm. and that kind of thing um but at the end of the day it's like you know it's not the it's not it's, it's not everything it's not everything you know and uh there's just some things in life that are everything hmm. it's like man it's hard to find a good friend yeah it really is it's fine to, it's hard to find a good mentor i mean it's hard to find a good wife yeah friendship currency um as you're saying, I was saying, um, you know, everything that's like, uh, yeah, everything is like, that's like worth having is rare. I feel like all the good things are rare. Yeah. And you know, it's, and people out there may be surprised of how non-materialistic it is. Like some of those things that are like very rare, like, and I didn't realize how rare some of my friendships was until I was like getting older. And meeting people like they were like, what? Like you're still friends? <laughs> like even people from like, like in middle school, finding out I'm still friends with like the dudes I was cool with in middle school, and they're like, huh? Like you still hang out with them? It's like yeah, you know, been to all their weddings, seen them get married. Some of them have kids. Yeah, it's weird to see all that, but like, <laughs> hey, hey man, like it's crazy that I was there, but it's also crazy to see how they've grown. Mm. You know. Like, we're not the same dudes from middle school. Thank God we've grown. Yeah. You know? And, like, that's that's rich right there. Hmm. You know? And uh, and then also seeing them have their own businesses and then seeing some, like, fail again and again and again and then become successful. And it's awesome, man. You know? Hmm. And it's, like, also, like, for a lot of them, they're, like, also Christian and also in the church, so to be able to like pray with each other, seeing all those prayers become answered, you know? And it's like, uh, so all that's heavy, man. Some heavy stuff right there, but like in the, in the best of ways, hmm. you know? And I, and I honestly tell uh, parents this all the time, right? Cause me and Jenny work with a lot of preteens and teenagers and everything. And, uh, and we love it. <laughs> Their parent, you know, some parents come up like, how do I have a kid? You know, my kid, like, you know, I don't know, you know, how to, I'm just trying to get them connected. How, how they, how, I'm, uh, you know, like, can they become like you one day or something like that? And I'm just like, honestly, I'm here because like my parents prayed, the church, leaders and mentors. And I, sometimes I'd be like, yo, I think they need some good friends. I think mm. a great friend 
is just as important as a great mentor or leader in your life. How did I get married? Part of that was because I had a group of like 15, 20 guys that were on the same mission. You know, I want to save myself to a marriage. I want to find the girl. You know, I want to do it right. I want to be there for her. I want to be in the church, you know, and I, and I credit my friends if I didn't have them, you know, mm -hmm. who knows the mistakes I would have made. You know, there's three, there's, there's three things that save you from making mistakes. One, and it's all has to do with relationship. <laughs> and mm -hmm. One is relationship with God. Two is relationship with like, you know, your friends. And three, relationship with, with leaders around you or mentors, mm -hmm. you know. If you can make sure all those things are right, man, you're going to be living a successful, good life for sure. Yeah. Um, to the point with the parents, like, there is, like, you know, I feel like pa parents are anxious, you know, when they start <coughs> to see their kids get to probably any, you know, any milestone. But, like, they're anxious, I feel like, at that age because, you know, the kid is probably starting to, you know, grow up a little bit. And that's probably the time where it's just like they're they're trying to get out from yeah, their yeah. parents, you know. And a lot of I the mean. things that they're exploring is like more physical and more adult, mm. you know. And the parents are like, hmm, like someone help my kid. Yeah. You know, and, it's a, and like the kid is smarter, you know. You know, the kids are the more they grow up, you know, especially in the day and age we live in, they're getting they're getting they're getting smart real fast. Yeah. You know, you know, kids are. Kids are way smarter than than I was at their age. For, that's for dang sure, you know. And I know that because just look at the culture, the things culturally that they know, or you know, things that are sexual that they know, you know. Then they're, they're catching on to this stuff at you know fifth grade, fourth grade level now, you know, yeah. rather than you know ninth grade, you know, maybe when you were in high school, you know, or in, and then you know middle school when I was when I was younger. Now it's at literally that type of age, you know. And and parents don't realize that they think it's still like when they were younger, right? And I think that's like kind of the mistake that they make, you know. I was like, no, you may need to have some real conversations sooner than Early. later, yeah. You know, but I think that's a good point. Um, you know, it's that relationship that kind of keeps you in line. Mm -hmm. um, even back to that verse you were saying, like uh, plans fail for a lack of um, counsel. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something I've. During during this last season of prayer and fasting, it was something I was just like, I need to get like more mentors. Um, I know we kind of keep circling back in this conversation, but um, I hired a business consultant, um, two business consultants, and I've, I've almost viewed you as a business consultant lately. Kind of like taking a look at the, you know, what's going on. You know, uh, you know, you may have heard me just you know take a deep breath. That's because like, man, that really hit the heart. Thanks, man. I feel that. Of course. I did not pay Sean to say that. I just want to let everyone know. <laughs> and you're also starting a consultant business. Wow. <laughs> hey, haven't even signed up for the LLC yet, but okay, let's go. Shouts, <laughs> shouts to my business. Um, That's nuts. But yeah, that. And then um, I put together like a board of advisors um, that we meet quarterly, which I got to set that up as a reminder. But um, That's really smart, man. Yeah. That's so smart. That's really smart. Like, I think about this, and you know what's crazy is like, you know the main stories that people like to share in the Bible and to preach about? Like, it amazes me how many times that people don't share the story either before or after that main story. Hmm. You think about 
Solomon being so wise? You ever heard the story of his son? No. It literally, his son, think about this. Like, majority of the Proverbs were written by Solomon. Mm-hmm. And they, these were all letter, letters to his son. I think his son, I don't, I'm going to butcher his name, but it was like Rehoboth or something like that. Huh. And I know that's a town in Rhode, in somewhere in New England <laughs> or Rhode Island. But it, 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 it almost begins like that. You know, those, yeah. those names are long in the Old Testament, but like Rehom something, is, that's his name, you know, Rehomi or whatever. And Solomon's writing these letters. These letters, are like, we read them as like a random, not random, but like these, you know, this is snippets a book in the Bible. Wisdom, yeah, yeah, snippets. But to this kid, this is a letter directed to to me by my dad. Hmm. And one of those was in the midst of many counselors is wisdom. Hmm. Where and another one is, hey, if you if you are in the midst of many mockers, like you know, many times in, in, in Proverbs it says that's not gonna lead to a good path. Yeah. And his son becomes king one day. And instead of listening to his father's counselors, he ignores all of them. He goes away from them to decide something for like two or three days. And when he comes, what's what's the thing to decide was, hey, now that your dad is gone, like, will you lighten our taxes or 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 will you give us more? And the people were crying for less taxes Hmm. and his friends were mocking the people and saying, you're king, bro. Don't listen to the and his advisors, his, his dad's advisors were saying, hey, man, like. Maybe maybe you should listen to them. He spends two days away from them, and all the all this time he's with his friends who are mocking, and the people that were asking for less taxes. He comes back and goes, "Hey, we're gonna double your taxes, triple them even, you know." Hmm. And just like that, the the whole kingdom becomes divided, and it's a civil war, hmm. and it never comes back together again. So hmm. your dad writing you these letters, giving you all the answers. While he was reigning, the kingdom was as best it's ever been. Its borders were stretched out and extended, extended to the greatest it ever will be, had the most peacefulness, and just like that. Yeah. You know, one decision. And, and I think about that a lot because it resonates with me just because of, like, well, everything my dad has done and the amount of times I haven't listened to him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think about that story a lot, man. You know, and people, again, like, yo, if you – just let the Bible give you some context to the, some of these big old stories. Rather, you read like how the story become, like read the uh, beginning or the not the beginning, but before the beginning of the story, and read the aftermath of the story. You know, everyone loves to talk about Solomon, hmm. wisest king, but like his son could be be you know is in the argument for the most foolish king ever. You know, wow. and and it's like yo, Proverbs is a book that we read. But literally, Proverbs was a book written for him, and he still didn't listen to it. Hmm. And it's just like, man, it's like really deep, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that could have, um, you know, our our fathers, too, are probably like the like the first model, you know, mm-hmm. um, going into life, um, for good or bad. Um, but that was something that, like, I, I saw, like, um, my father definitely modeled for me. He was a business owner as well, a small business owner. Um, he really modeled, I would say like excellence, you know, he was a hard, super hard worker. Um, I feel like that, that's so true. Like, you know, um, especially like, you know, fathers are probably like the first mentor that we have in life, Absolutely, um, yeah. you know, and they're modeling certain things. Um, 
maybe that's a story for another time. We'll have to get you back on the the podcast. Yeah, man, we we'll uh, love it. We we'll love it. As we're gonna wrap and get some food, but thank you so much um, for for coming oh, on you, and thank speaking you. and um, looking forward to to kind of seeing your growth too as you uh, continue on in this in this job and um, you know some other things that you got planned. So yeah, I'm excited. Likewise, brother. Likewise. All right. Well, thanks again for for tuning in for another episode of uh, Moving the Mountain, the Creative Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions, um, make sure you subscribe and uh, you can fill out some questions and uh, comments, whatever you got. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you next time. Peace.